Pit Guys. This week's episode is brought to you by Colorado Land Tire and Service. See, we don't even remember how to start. It's been so long since we've had a podcast, we don't even know how to intro to this show. Jeez. Well, I have to start off by saying, forgive me, my voice isn't what it normally is. I lost my voice like a week ago. It's been all uh, seductive and husky. I'm sure it has nothing to do with those sugarettes. Probably. Anyway, hey, welcome to the podcast. We are back. We are still making podcasts. We just haven't for the last five weeks. Dude, we've been so freaking busy. We have been living life like rock stars. Yes. We have been living life like schmucks that have to go to work every day. Yes. We've done all of it. We had the holidays. We had the holidays. And we just, oh man, we have had so much stuff going on. It's nuts. And we're not even, well, I mean, we are helping build a car, a race car for King of the Hammers. Yeah. But like. Well, it's it's like a, it's not like we're cutting stuff up and putting stuff back together. Like it's more, more like a normal build. Yeah. And uh, we've just been busy. Yeah. We, uh, we first of all have to apologize for taking five weeks off, but I promise the next few weeks before KOH, we're going to have some great guests on the show. We are super excited. Well, but here's the problem, though. We're almost at Hammers, and everyone's super busy getting ready for Hammers. So we might be saying, yeah, we are going to have a great guest, but everyone's really busy getting ready for Hammers. Hey, I'm, I'm getting them lined up for the show. It's coming. Okay. So stay with us. Stay tuned. We're going to have some good ones. We have a really great show tonight. Yes, we do. We, uh, we got Matt Holt. I don't even know like Matt Holt with... With what? Matt Holt with, with everybody? All the things? Yeah, all the things. I mean, this dude's all over the place uh, in the off-road racing world, media, print. Uh, he told us tonight he's a firefighter. Yeah. I mean, this dude's all over. He's a multimedia conglomerate. So uh, stay tuned for that in this episode tonight. <clears throat> we have got a lot of things to cover in the open segment. Yeah. Uh, Hopper went to Mexico and made it back in the United States. Not just Mexico, but like Honduras and Belize. Yeah. World traveler oh, here. Oh, so I didn't just randomly go these places. We went on a cruise. On a boat. On a boat. My first time doing so many things. I saw the ocean for the first time. I was on a boat bigger than a dinghy for the first time it was an incredible trip we yeah. had a blast we we did not go on this trip together just us we obviously took our beautiful wives yes and the whole reason for this trip was because it was jennifer's birthday happy birthday jennifer what is it 32 22 something I don't know. Uh, spring chicken it's anyway. the old man she's with that i'd be worried about yeah, the freaking old guys, old guy club. But uh, if you really want to get into the nuts and bolts of our trip, you got to check out Hopper's YouTube channel. Yeah, go to doing stuff with Hopper. I got three, uh, three episodes of chronicling our cruise from start to finish. There was a lot of stuff I had to cut out. I'll oh, be dude, I'm not gonna lie. The videos are great, but. There was so much that got cut out. I know, but it, I have to keep it family friendly. It was incredible. Maybe uh, reach out to Hopper and he can text you some pictures. <laughs> there are a lot of pictures. Some incriminating evidence. 
But no, it was a blast. It was it was funny because you know we live in the freaking winter hellhole up here of freezing. Actually, it's not been that cold lately. But when we went down, it was cold, and then it was like tropical paradise beaches, and then we come back and it was freezing again. So that was a little system shocking. Oh, so worth it though. Great trip. Everybody had fun. Best part, we got the all-inclusive alcohol package and when you live at altitude like we do and then you go down to literally sea level you have to drink so much to feel anything <coughs> we uh so i drank a lot we got our money's worth and i ate a lot oh my gosh dude excuse me we ate so much it was fantastic yeah i had to take a day off <laughs> um, from eating and drinking or at least half a day off let my system get sorted out. Yeah. But uh, I got heartburn for like the first time ever. Didn't know what was happening to me. <laughs> Eating uh, eight meals a day will do that. Yes. Um, at least that's what the doctor told me. Grazing. But uh, yeah, that was uh, the first part of December. Yep. Um, God, it seems like already a lifetime ago. We uh, We got home. Dude, this is always the craziest time of year for me because I go from Thanksgiving to my son's birthday to Christmas and New Year's. Like, and it's just like every week I've got something. Um, busiest time of year for me. Plus, we went on a trip and then family holidays. Oh, it's just been nuts. Great Christmas. Um, we stayed up. We, I, we both stayed up here in the mountains. Uh, yeah, I had a great holidays. I, nothing I can complain about. Christmas is busy for me. Um, I do a side hustle. I act as Santa Claus. And after COVID, I was in high demand because a lot of these old guys that are like actual legit Santa Clauses, like with real beards and all that fun stuff, they were laying low because they didn't want to get sick. So I freaking slayed in the old Santa department made so much money, bought my own like semi-authentic wig and beard set and my gear. It's pretty incredible. This year didn't make as much because a lot of these old birds are back in business and so they're like tramping on my on my turf. Some Santa turf wars over here, but man, made a bunch of money playing Santa, got to talk to a lot of kids and their mommies and it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh yeah, we had really good snow here up in the mountains. Oh, it just it just has been snowing. I feel like I move snow every single day. Yep. We uh we've been helping Joe Gould over at Rocky Mountain <clears throat> Speed and Fab getting his new race car prepped. Yeah. Uh, he he's going Pro R Razor. The thing's impressive. So he was like, "Hey guys, Rocky Mountain Speed and Fab, we're going to go next level and get this Pro R." And we're like, "Oh, whatever. Not a big deal." Well, this shows up, and the thing is, like, built like a tank. I'm like, is this a small truck? No, it's a UTV, but it's impressive. And Joe is just, I, I don't want to, like, rain on you. I let some trade secrets out here, but the guy's throwing some amazing parts at it, and we're just, like... Built the, he built the cage, helped design the cage himself. Dude, he's he's got, he's got some... If, if we can make it out onto the lake bed because of like parts and stuff showing up and all that, this thing's gonna be a serious contender. 
And you know, that's it's not just Joe like that's in that world right now, yeah. man. All these guys that we're buddies with, that we're going to hammers with, everybody's showing up with a new car this year. Like that is the theme for 2023. Let's build a new car. Yeah. And then in the midst of all this, <coughs> we uh, well, someone the you're going to talk about the old race car. Yeah. I mean, because Joe's building this new car. He he had to sell the old one, yeah. the old forty nine fifty five, the one that we cut in half, and the one that we came to love as our own. Yes, he uh, he found three idiots that thought they needed to buy a race car, and he sold it to them. And guess what? They bought it. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to look these guys up on social media. Uh, they don't have a clue what they're doing. I bet that car doesn't even make it to a race. So wait, just just to bear with us, we're busy with hammers, but wait till after hammers. Keep an eye out for some big things to uh, come to light. Look look up Dumpster Fire Off-Road. Dumpster Fire Off-Road. And like I said, just a couple of idiots that have no business being race car owners. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm I'm super excited. Um, I'm super excited that, you know, we... We are still part of Rocky Mountain Speed and Fab. Like, that's that's how we got our start, you know. Joe brought us all in and was like, hey, guys, let's do this dumb thing all together. And it turned out to be the most glorious thing ever. And then Joe was like, hey, you know, you guys want to keep going? And he has allowed, he has given us this avenue to continue, maybe to try some other things out that maybe Rocky Mountain Speed and Fab isn't going to be doing, but we could have the opportunity to. So super thankful, super grateful to Joe Gould with Rocky Mountain Speed and Fab. If you, if you haven't figured this out, we bought the car. We are dumpster fire. Yeah, We're we, the idiots <clears throat> that bought the race car. Yeah, we just said that. Jeez. Yep. But uh, you're you're right. Joe gave us a smoking deal Yeah, that we so could thank, not say Joe, no if to. you're listening, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for, <laughs> for in, indulging us in this... Uh, this endeavor. This is one of those weird deals where, you know, I'm a buyer and a seller. I'm a flipper, and I always have crazy ideas. And I go home to my wife and tell her my crazy ideas, and she rolls her eyes and said, how much is this going to cost me? And I don't want to do, you know. She's the financially responsible one. So when I came home and I said, hey, here's the conversation and what we're looking at, both of our wives were like, yeah, I mean, why are you, why have you not yeah. paid the man? My wife was like, "You're an idiot if you don't do this." Yeah, I'm like, "What?" Couldn't believe it. Full support from the wives. Yeah. I actually thought this might be a bad financial decision, owning yeah. a race car. I don't know. And uh, yeah, our wives were all like all about it. So we we do have a driver and uh, another partner in this deal. We have not mentioned him at all. Well, he is kind of the worst guest ever. We did talk about him because birthday girl from the cruise was married to the grouchy old guy. Yeah. So he did come up early. uh, Jeff, we love you. Jeff Bachman, our partner in this. Actually, he's going to be like the big part of this. He is going to be the driver. Yep. He is going to show us what he can do. I'm excited to see it, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm like you, man. I'm just over the moon, excited. We aren't obviously going to have this thing ready for hammers. We're no. not racing hammers. Um, but we are going to do a lot of racing this year. Um, but we just got to take some time yeah. and 
So just just to recap, Dumpster Fire Off Road consists of Zach Swatsky, Jeff Bachman, and Hopper Becker. So that's Dumpster Fire Off Off Road right there yeah. in a nutshell. We're gonna do some racing. We're gonna light some dumpsters on fire. It's gonna be great. Well, see, I I love that name because, you know, I I race I race to have fun. Well, I don't race, but I I do this because I I love racing. Like it brings joy to my heart. But sometimes with the budget I'm working with, some of the stuff I've got is pretty crusty, and old forty nine fifty five is not crusty by any means. I, I came up with a name before that because some of my other possible endeavors were pretty crunchy. But being a, a, fire, a volunteer firefighter, I've been on many, many dumpster fires. And some of the ideas I've come up with, I, 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 I thought about, I'm like, wow, that's a dumpster fire of an idea. But I love it. And guess what? I love dumpster fires because it's a fire, but it's relatively safe compared to, say, a structure fire or a wildland fire like it's a steel bin that's got burning trash so you get to have fun with fire without like maybe dying so i do enjoy a good dumpster fire well this is gonna be a good one <laughs> but uh gosh i sound like such a freaking putz with my voice like this it's driving me bananas so we did that um like i said Stay tuned for after after hammers for the the socials to get started and stuff like that. Yeah, we're we're not breaking any land speed records, but no. we don't have to. Uh, we've got some commitments uh, coming up with hammers. You know, obviously we're we're doing the same old shtick that we did last year. We're working with five great UTV teams. Uh, we're working with Joe over at Rocky Mountain Speed and Fab. Of course, that's our main team. Uh, we're working with Josh Smith and Smith Brother Racing again. He is has got a new race car that is like, I, dude, it's I, it's Freaking. it's a world we don't even live in, man. This he's competing to yeah. win the race. Yeah. Um, we won't say too much because he has posted pictures, but we don't want to drop any bombs. We want to get him on the show here in the next few weeks and have him talk about it. So we got Josh Smith. He's got a new car. Big changes in his program. Uh, Rich Birch is coming back. He's gonna. We're gonna be a part of his race at Hammers. Um, he's got a new used car mm. that he raced at Nationals and loves. So I'm excited to see what Rich can do. Uh, we got. We're gonna be working with John Cahey and Adrenaline Driven Motorsports. He's out of the Front Range of Colorado. Super excited to have John on the team and his guys. Uh, you know, they're Can-Am guys, but that's cool. We love them too. Yeah. And then, uh, the last UTV team, it sounds like we're working with Kyle Taggart. He's, uh, in the rookie program for this year. He's building a beautiful Turbo R, uh, Razor. Uh, he's, uh, one of the big, big wigs over at Wickham Tractor in Greeley, Colorado. He's never even been to KOH and this dude's going to race. Dude, he's gonna, he's gonna flip. It's gonna be he's well. Gonna he's run. not gonna flip in the race. Like he's gonna no, flip because no. it's crazy. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, and then well, there's like, wood here. I'm knocking on it. That is actual wood. That's our like our normal thing, right? That's what we've done at Hammers the last couple of years. Help yeah. out a handful of teams. Um, we got asked and invited to help out some other friends. Mm. Um, we're gonna be helping pay in the big boy race this year. Yeah. I am super excited to see this happen. I'm a little nervous because that's big leagues. 
And we're racing with some big league dudes. Yeah. We uh, Tom Pendergrass, Pendergrass from Fire River Racing. Uh, him and Seth had us over one night, and uh, yeah, we're gonna help those guys pit. Uh, yep. He's part of the John Grounds Proving Grounds Racing effort, and uh, they've actually got a third car that our buddy Joe Gatlin's gonna drive. Um, so we are super excited to be a part of Proving Grounds and Fire River. Um, you know, we've never actually been at Hammers for the end of the 4400 yeah. race. So, and we're going to get to watch it from the pits this year. Yeah, that'll be fun. It's going to be nuts. We are super excited to be helping these guys out. Uh, it's going to be a long week, man. Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, it's, it, like I said, it's a crazy month. A couple other things, you know, it's... It's been a hard month. We've lost a few big names in, in off-road motorsports. Uh, Ken Block passed the other day. That was that was tough. I followed him for many, many years. Um, you know, I just that was that was hard. Um, I will have to be honest though, you know, I've got my my crusty white suburban and obviously up here in the mountains all of our roads are snow packed all winter long. So I make sure to run around and uh, keep it uh, keep it rear wheel drive. Turn the traction control off and make sure to drift pretty much every corner I can. I can do it for Ken in memory. In memory, I can you know because there's the old moniker "Do it for Dale," and now I'm doing it for Ken. So yeah, that that was kind of a surprising one, man. And that you know his accident—that's a world that we live in with yep. snowmobiles. That's a part of uh, what we do up here, and yeah, that was and that was kind of a shocker. So condolences go out to the family and friends of and those affected by that. Uh, definitely, definitely hard to hear. And also if you're listening and you're into the, the snow sports, be careful out there. We've already had this past month, several fatalities avalanche related, whether you're skiing or you're snowmobiling or whatever you're into, be careful. The snowpack is super unstable right now. It's, it's pretty sketch out in the back country. So just watch yourselves. Um, update, I've talked about my, my, uh, suburban build I'm doing. Uh, I go down on the 18th and pick up a, a, uh, a builder core 4L80 transmit, 4L80E transmission. Freaking hard to find. Getting a little nervous because these guys are ghosting me now, but they said they had several. So I'm going to go down on the 18th and pick that up. And then uh, that's the first step in building the sleeper bourbon. You'll have to follow along um, my doing stuff with Hopper YouTube channel as I build it out because it's going to be glorious. Um, glorious like your voice. Shut up. <laughs> but the plan is the transmission. Then we're going to throw a, a freaking turbo on it because it's a 5.3 Vortec block and they, they take boost really well. And then, uh, then nitrous. And then we'll see about putting a new block on it. My wife's Suburban, it, she's got a 2011, so it's got the, still has a 5.3 Vortec motor, but it's got the DOD, the displacement on demand, but it's got the lower rod knock, so looking at options. I found a crate motor, a GM crate motor, and uh, it's a... Uh, it's a hopped up. It's got a hot cam. It's got different compression, different pistons. They say it's making 500 horsepower at the crank. Pick that up for eight grand. Do a swap. 
Amelia was my oldest daughter, super concerned. She's like, Daddy, I don't want you to put that in because it means you're going to go fast. And I don't like it when you drive fast because it's scary. And then Annie's like, let's go fast. Let's go fast. So we talked about this a little bit ago, man. For a diehard bleed blue Ford uh, guy, you sure are buying a lot of GM products. Dude, the the master race of vehicles is the Chevy Suburban. It is. There's just... Chevy. I'm conflicted morally, man. Like I, I, I still worship at the altar of the blue old. Do you? I don't know. But at the same time, I'm realizing Ford really dropped the ball with their dual overhead cam, starting with the 5.4 liter Triton. Uh, the 5.3 the Vortec push rod, man, that thing's just... You can't get any better than that. There's a reason why all the race cars have... An LS-based motor in it. There's a uh, reason. It's it's there's a reason for. It. However, I will have to say, uh, there's uh, t- nothing like a good old Fox body Mustang with a five liter. See, in here's it. where I'm conflicted, man, because I I'm a Chevy guy historically. Yeah. Uh, I've had a Ford, a couple of Fords. I liked them, but by no means do I declare myself a devoted fan of either. And I don't know if we can have you on Team Chevy, man. Well, so Too much trash was talked. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about trash? Let's go back to the olden days when Zach used to exclusively ride Skidoo. You know how many Skidoos I actually paid to ride on? And Zach was like, Zero. Skidoo's the best. All you other guys can suck it. Me, 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 me. Hey, man, when you're a sponsored rider like I was. Yeah, so li- listen here, Mr. Pot calling the kettle black. What I'm learning is all vehicles are fun and glorious. I love... This is true. Let's take a note from one of our biggest uh, guys that we follow, uh, Finnegan. Yes. Mike Finnegan. Yes. At at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Just get out there and do something. Praise Finnegan. I love when he preaches that. Mm. You know, I don't care if you're driving a Can-Am or a Polaris really at the end of the day. Just get out there and ride something. Dude, I've had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with my Subaru. I had a lot of fun with my Toyota pickups while I had them. I've had several different late 80s Toyota pickups. I loved my wife's old Mini Cooper, man. That thing was a blast. But I have come to find out that my stable right now is perfect. Uh, Well, for the exception. I love my Suburbans. I love my Super Duty. I freaking hate my XJ. I love my one-ton swap, but I hate the XJ. I despise that thing. I was going to put an LS in, uh, do an LS swap to it. I have a block ready to go. I can't desecrate that block by putting it in that pile of garbage. That unibody is Freaking the, the unibodies. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm nauseous just thinking about it. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one. It's a great intro. Like, it is. And a good base, and I think we might just be past that a little bit. I mean, let's be honest. You're a proud owner of a UTV now. so <laughs> It's true. The day has come. I never thought I would be, but I have one. At least the percentage of one. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Welcome to our life the last month, man. Roller coasters. Oh, so many of them. I live in a glass house of emotions. But so many highs, man. It's been a great month. 
It actually has been. <clears throat> Except for this stupid voice. Well, oh you're right. The, the year did start off a little weird. Yeah. Um, but things are turning, man. King of the Hammers is coming up. We're excited. Dude. Everybody's excited. I'm a, I'm a little stressed out. A little anxious because we, we're still waiting on some details. But. Dude, once we're in Circle Town... And we're hanging out around the smudge pots, eating some freaking fried rice. Oh, it's going to be, man. <laughs> Listening to the stage, booming some great 90s band. Uh, it's going to be a good couple of weeks in Hammertown. Then we're just going to have to work six months so I can build my vacation time back up. I, I can't wait to just drink as many monsters as humanly possible. Oh, yes. We got to get a hold of somebody with monster and make sure they get the Pacific Punch there this year. Oh, my god! We're going to be dead if they offer Pacific Punch. <laughs> or the Peachy Keen, Ultra Peachy uh, Keen. Uh, we, uh, we talk a little bit about uh, sponsorship with Matt Holt here coming up in a little bit. Uh, we got to give our shameless plug out to freaking Harbor Freight. Yeah. Harbor Freight, we want to be on your team. Yes. We want to be a part of your social media team. I got the new Badlands three-ton jack. It it's is amazing. awesome. I love it. I don't care. You can give me as much flack as you want. I'll rep Harbor Freight all day Dude, long. Dude, Harbor Freight is not the brand that I grew up with. Back when I was younger, Harbor Freight was just this cheap junk. It was. And now Harbor Freight, it's a contender with all the other big names out there, like good tools. I'm I'm not even kidding you. There's great some prices. Great prices. Great tools. We are plugging these guys like crazy. Yeah. Let's be honest. You and I, of course, did not do any Christmas shopping for our family <laughs> until December 23rd. Yeah. And where was the first place we went to buy our whole family presents? Harbor Freight. Freaking Harbor Freight. Mm. That is right. That is no lie. Check it out on Doing Stuff with Hopper. Yeah, my latest episode. Oh, it was... We just love it, man. And we want we want to be a part of that team. Yeah. You tell us what we got to do, Harbor Freight. Regardless, I got the jack already, and we're going to be... We'll utilize it. it. Yeah. We'll be using it in the pits. That's for sure. That was probably uh, one of the better Christmas presents I got. Yeah, I got... Uh... <laughs> my wife bought me some muck boots. Well, they're not muck. They're the mud, the noble brand. Oh, that's the Murdoch. That's like the bougie. Murdoch's carries them. And so I'm walking around like the first two days walking in circles because one boot's like really tight and feels good. And the other one's all sloppy and feels like it's like two inches shorter. So I'm like literally walking in circles because one leg's moving faster than the other. Like if you have a different two size tires. Am I Do you have wrong sized boots? Well, and so I was like, what's, has my freaking internal differential been Lincoln locked up? Like, what's the deal? Well, I pull them off, like, literally, third day. I pull them off. I'm like, what the heck? My wife's looking at them. I'm looking at them. They look the same on the outside. Well, some freaking plunker gone inside and stolen an insole out of one of the oh. boots. So one has an insole, one doesn't. It was really funny. That was my Christmas present was those muck boots. So, we also got to go on a cruise two weeks before well, that, Christmas. Well, that's why we were pretty slim, my wife and I, yeah. presents to each other, because our presents to each other was the cruise. 
and all of the related activities that happened that we can't mention here, my wife and I engaged in all night long. It was wonderful. I thought you were going to be talking about snorkeling, but... The snorkeling was epic. I've never snorkeled. It was super awesome. We got to walk in like a local's only area of town in a Honduran Roatan, right? I think you might have let met a uh, a lady of the night is what we would call her. Yes, it's even though it was the middle of the day. It was terrifying when and she was trying to uh, she was hire out her services. She was seducing me. Yes, it was super weird, and I was scared. But now I wish I would have gone back and like got her story and. Who didn't pet the monkey? Me. Yep, that's right. Because the tour guides were freaking me out. They told us, uh, 20 bucks, I'll get you a monkey. <laughs> yeah, but it's like a blood monkey, like a blood diamond, only oh, a blood man. monkey. So many good stories. Uh, you will hear those over the next few months, I'm sure. Yeah. <sighs> washy, well, washy. I'm feeling, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. Good open segment. Yeah. I feel like we've brought everybody up to speed on our boring, crazy lives the last month. You know, as much as I think that my life's pretty boring, in retrospect, if you stand back and look at big picture, I don't golf. So my life is not boring. I live a pretty freaking interesting life. We have gotten to do some awesome things in the last year. The biggest, here's the biggest clamp on my style right now. The biggest thing I'm wrestling with is shop space. Yeah. Room to do projects. In fact, it's been so bad that I have entertained thoughts of moving to Kansas where you can buy whole acreages with large shops. I sent you that link as a joke. And yeah, but it ignited a fire within oh, me. Just July, man. Think about July. I know, I know. You'd have to have 18 air conditioners on your shop. Well, all I have to do is like watch YouTube videos of Weston Chaplin as he's doing motor swaps in the middle of summer and he's just like pouring sweat. I'm like, uh, can't do it. Won't do it. Not going to happen, man. Well, let's let's quit talking about us. We got a good guest we got to go chat with. Yeah, let's uh we're going to get Matt hold on. Uh we'll get a little shout out from this week's sponsor. Like I said, thanks for sticking with us and uh, letting us take a few weeks off. Uh, it was nice to have a few Thursdays free. I'm not gonna lie, but we are excited to get the get back going in the show. We've we've been talking to some people. Great episodes coming up. Really good episode here tonight. So thanks for tuning in, guys. And uh, yeah, let's see what Matt has to say. You guys are gonna uh, buckle up. That's the best thing I can say. Buckle up. I want to take a minute to give a huge shout out to our newest sponsor, the Colorado Land, Kansas Land, and Nebraska Land Tire and Service Group. These guys have not only helped me out when it comes to getting new wheels and tires, but they are also huge fans of racing. NASCAR, local dirt track racing, or off-road racing, these folks go above and beyond to support racers at all levels. Whether it's on your race car or your truck and trailer, these guys care. Find the nearest location by going to www.thetirestore.com All right, as promised, we're here. We're here and we've got a guest. So uh yeah, I mean we're just so rusty. We haven't done this. I know it's been forever. So, uh as we said, we got Matt Holt here tonight. Uh I think everybody that goes to the races would recognize Matt. You always have like the haircut 
always nice and clean cut. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got Matt Holt here. You're with a lot of different organizations. You're going to do a better job of telling us like who those guys are. But uh, you kind of got your hands all over the place. And we thought you'd be an awesome guy to have on here before Hammers. Also, you're really excited about Hammers, I'm sure. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, yeah, I, people ask, it's kind of, kind of amusing when people go, so what do you do? I was like, well, that's kind of a really hard question to answer. Cause I have 10 part-time jobs. Um, and then I try to explain them all. And by the end, they're like, oh, we don't even care anymore. Like, it's, it's <laughs> nice to meet you. My name's Greg and they walk away. You know, it's, it's, um, so, uh, I tell people in the last year, even my five-year plan has been totally decimated, which is a very scary and awesome thing. Um, so I'll give you a quick rundown of like who I am, where I came from, and then we'll kind of get into some of my quote-unquote part-time jobs and kind of how they different and how I have evolved in off-road community and everything from a you know a master tire changer to you know you know toilet seat man whatever whatever needs done sometimes uh, I, I like but, that I got a I, job <laughs> I got a job once the guy said what can you do what skills do you have and I said I can clean toilets and he said you're hired. You're hired. Yeah. No, uh, at one race this year at uh, Prairie City, I went and got pizzas because that's what needed done. And my brother has not let me live it down since then because that's what the Gilligan quote unquote does in the movie Gone in 60 Seconds. He's like, who's Gilligan over here? He's like, Gilligan's actually Fred. Uh, he can order pizza. And he's like, he's kind of mad in a minute. And he's like, hey, everybody's got to eat, right? You know, so uh, yeah, sometimes you're the most glamorous guy uh, doing commentary. And the next minute later, you're getting pizza orders. So um, so as Matt Holtz, um, born in Decatur, Illinois, uh, a, a while ago, uh, my dad <laughs> owns a car lot. Uh, so my, I, I tell people I'm a car enthusiast, uh, by birth, uh, and by choice, both, uh, some people do it because they love it. Some people do it because they were kind of forced to do it. I started out as the forced to do it part. And then I kind of learned to do it later, much, much later in life. Um, a lot of people think of like, your dad's a car dealer. So your car experience growing up was like this beautiful Norman Rockwell painting of dad helping you change tires and work on the old carburetor. And I'm like, no, mine was more like, I got that car sold. Hurry, get that alternator changed. You know, and like, you know, very intense, you know, time demanding, you know, very critiqued process. Uh, but I honestly, looking back, I don't think I would change it and I would not change any bit of it. It's been an amazing ride. So my dad owned a car dealership my whole life. Uh, and again, his business kind of grew into this big automotive empire as I was growing up. So it started out very, very small. And my parents were pretty poor, like most kids' parents, you know, back in the eighties. Uh, and then as my father's business grew, my lifestyle changed and our fanciest cars and tools, all that um, kind of changed. And so my, I, I've been, uh, you know, broke down and worked on about every make and model there is on the planet. Like I, I love the old t-shirts that you always see. I'd rather push forward and drive a Chevy and like, I'm kind of a diehard Ford guy, but I have a Chevy LS in my rock bouncer. So oh, I can't we, Hopper and I were just, I was just <laughs> flat because he was doing a little bit of hating on Ford, but he's a Ford <laughs> guy. I don't get it. I, I, I am. I'm a diehard Ford guy. I will say that till the day I die. And yet I run Chevy LS in my rock bouncer. So I don't feel like you can really say, quote unquote, you're a diehard guy. If you run a Chevy motor or anything or a Dodge, yes. or, you know, you know like, what you, like, oh, what do you pull your race car with? Well, it's coming. So, you know, it's coming. <laughs> you know, we. I have a super duty power stroke that I pull with usually and uh, which we've changed to a Kodiak and then some other stuff, you know, but um I've always seen that shirt and I always kind of laughed as, you know, once I got old enough to like really be broke down stuff in the middle of nowhere, 
you know, it, you know, it's a hot day and, and a traffic girl pulls up in a car. It does not matter what it is. You are getting in it. If it's AC and she has a beverage that's cold, you don't care what it is. Like Miata, Ferrari, it doesn't matter. Climbing in, you're like, ooh, this feels nice. And it's a hot day. So, uh, yes, I am a diehard Ford guy, but anybody that's pulling up with a tow truck, I'm getting in, especially if it's cold or hot. It doesn't matter. So, um, I, I, um, I grew up around all kinds of make and models. I've been broke down everything from, uh, you know, a Yugo, which is a car made in Yugoslavia to a Ferrari. So like, if you can race it, break it, drive it, I I've been part of it. Uh, and again, that was kind of a, you know, all kids have this great thing like, Oh, snow day. And there's like Disney movies about it. My snow days were much different. I was at the lot, like shoveling snow and cleaning off cars and, and moving cars again, some with dead batteries. So then that was a whole other problem. So like my my car aspects of learning about car cars in general was as uh, very uh, taunt daunting and much unfriendlier than most people's. But <laughs> again, it's it is nice. I tell people all the time. My first time I ever changed a uh, a belt. It was a V belt back then. We didn't have serpentine belts. Uh, my dad sold the car. I was like, I got that car sold. Get that on there. Put on. Well, I didn't know how to get it off because I was like nine. Uh, <laughs> so I took a pair of bolt cutters and cut it off. Clunk. And then I pried the new one on, and I have no doubt to this day, there is some car in a junkyard with the most mangled alternator pulley you have ever seen in your entire life. Uh, again, at that time, I didn't really know what I was doing, but looking back, I, I have no doubt that I destroyed that alternator pulley trying to get that belt on. The I'm guy pretty probably sure put it uh, there's some race car <laughs> drivers. I mean, I haven't made fun of Casey Gilbert in a while. That probably think that's how you change a belt. Just yeah, yeah. Hard on that pulley. Sorry. Yeah, Casey, man, but, I had to get that in. <laughs> much Ooh. later, I learned that there's a little. There's none of the top you loosen and the bottom when you loosen it, just slings back and forth real easy, and you can pry it out. And, um, and we end up making brackets for our own race cars later, and so it was. It was very comical. So uh, I grew up working on cars, and so my love of you know a deep passion of cars and trucks and you know anything with a motor, you know. My dad owned a used car dealership, uh, so we sold anything that he could make a dollar on. Um, you know, so it was a jet boat. He, you know, a lot of times my dad was a really, really, you know, shrewd businessman when it came to buying cars that were like your average cars. You know, a '95 Ford Taurus. You know, my dad was going to get it cheaper than anybody out there. If you were selling it, he was going to beat you up the best he could at an auction or something. Um, and then, and it's so funny talking to dealers years later about how my dad was just really chop chop about, you know, but then when it came to toy cars, they're like the only guy we call is Dave Holt because we know we're going to get like premium dollar out of the thing with Dave because he buys toy cars, like freak stuff. It was a jacked up truck, a super fast, like no hood, and big blower sticking out of it. You call Dave, he'll buy it in a heartbeat. Like he'll give you cash money right now, you know, where everybody else is like, well, it's not really, you know, what we do. And, you know, and, and we had very successful, my dad was a big gearhead growing up. So naturally me and my brother. Uh, my dad had a real good friend that we went to car shows with and a couple of guys around his age with car shows with and me and my brother had a couple of buddies that were some of their sons we'd go to car shows with and we go, you know, foiling at St. Joe State Park when we were younger. Um, we kind of started off-road community when we were like three, two, three years old. I have a brother that's Nate Holt that's 18 months younger than me. We're like the same exact size, except he's like a much squarer version of me. He has a bushy beard that would make any man <laughs> jealous. Um and we do a lot of wheeling together. He does a lot more than I do, unfortunately, just because I do so much race stuff nowadays. I don't have a ton of time to do wreck wheeling, which kind of stinks, uh, just because it is so much fun to get out and goof around and hang out on the trail and eat and drink and be merry. Um, he's 18 months younger than me. So we started out riding go-karts in our backyard, and then we quickly went to like three-wheelers and four-wheelers. Uh, and um, four-wheelers are kind of what we spawned into. Uh, and then when I was about nine, we started doing like motocross, you know, 10 motocross. We started doing motocross stuff. 
shortly after that, we did endurance, enduros, call them hair scrambles back in the day. Uh, before endurance was a cool buzzword, we we called them hair scrambles, and it was I like, just like I like hair scrambles, man. Yeah, it, I like that. I I learned that I deeply do not like hair scrambles. That they are horrible, horrible things to do. Uh, <laughs> Like I do not have the mental or physical capacity to compete in something that long on a dirt bike. Uh, because after about the second or third time you pick it up in mud, you're like, I'm done for the day, you know? And we still have like two and a half more hours or, or like three laps, depending on how good you are. You know, um, we raced in Missouri. So it was like huge laps and I was horrible at it. It sucked horribly. I hated it. Uh, cause most of it was muddy and you're broke and you're tired and there's all these fast guys keep blowing past you. It wasn't, it was not a dream. Let's put it that way. Now on a, and side by side or buggy, much different story. Uh, but picking your dirt bike up for like the thousandth time that day when you're tired and it's hot. Oh, I totally not, agree. Not not ideal. Okay, not ideal for like a 15, 16, 18 year old kid was not not real fun. Dude, I'm, I'm um, 40 and I don't want to pick up a dirt bike. <laughs> I love yes. motorcycles. I've yes. said this on here before, but I hate dirt bikes. It just wasn't. Yeah. I get it. it. It wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I like dirt bikes if you're like jumping through the air and doing fun, cool stuff, but racing through the mud and uh, slick when you're. You're, yeah, you know, it's uh, it sucked. I was not a fan. Um, I don't know if I would be if I went back and did it today. I don't know if I'd be any lesser or more of a fan. I think I would still be the same, not a fan of it, uh, percentage wise. Uh, when I was about fourteen, we have a local mud drag series, kind of a um, couple tracks local that we started doing. My dad was a big mud drag, mud ball guy. I come from Decatur, Illinois, Central Illinois, Midwest, as we like to brag about it. Um, so. Uh, mud is we have a lot of because it's very flat in Illinois. We have a lot of dirt that goes like corn as beans as far as you can the eye can see. So um, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, a little bit, a uh, little bit of Kansas, maybe some Iowa. There's a lot of corn. So uh, bushel per acres are fan. I got some family members are corn. So and some buddies that do it. Um, so we have very flat. So mud drags, mud bogs. And we started into. I was about 14, 15 years old when I started racing those. Uh, Sixteen, they were asking at the drivers' meeting. But you know, my dad in a car lot. Oh, so yeah. yeah. When he pulls up in a truck, you know, we park in a, park a couple off way, and I pull up on a truck. Nobody asks really questions. You know, we just sign the form. And this is again back in the, you know, mid nineties. Back then, it was it's all good. He's good. Old, you know, that's Davy Holt's boy. You know, we'd, especially we pulled up a couple of them. Nobody really asked questions. Um, and I did that for quite a while. Mud drags, mud bogs. Uh, built a lot of those. Had a lot of fun with them. Did some trophies, um, <clears throat> started my off-road shop, High Society Off-Road, um, kind of part-time for a long time, and then kind of went full-time with it uh, six, six, eight years ago, something like that, um, and was looking for a way to kind of showcase what we could do at my off-road shop, and I was looking to either build a mega truck or some type of buggy, whether it be a rock bounce or an ultra four car, uh, mainly just to kind of showcase some of the tubing work we can do. Uh, if you have like a high-end mega truck, there's lots of tubing there. Um and I was kind of looking at that, really wasn't sure how that was going to take place. I uh, was kind of getting my formula, kind of figured out what I wanted to do, just to kind of mainly, mainly I just wanted a billboard just to go, hey, look, this is what I can do with my shop and just take it to parades and offered events and shake hands, kiss babies. Um, and right around that time, a friend of a friend of a friend named Sean Cross um, popped up on the old Facebook and was like, hey, I have a rock bouncer looking to put a team together. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. I've been thinking about doing that. And so me and him and a couple other people got like, he made like a Facebook group and kind of put us all in there. We all kind of start chatting. And then very quickly he deleted the post and kind of kept the group and kind of weeded out the guys who were like, yeah, I want to pay you some, I'll give you a hundred bucks to let me take it out, trash it versus guys who are very serious about having a race team. And we really kind of put it together. Um, and I started learning about sponsorships and marketing because I might own a car dealership. So I worked literally from the time I could pick up trash on my dad's car lot or cigarette butts or air up tires, I made a 
paycheck. I wouldn't really call it a living wage because like back then I was making like twenty dollars a day. Yeah. I was like twenty dollars a day, and I like at nine you feel like you're a rock star, you know. And so um, I've always been self-funded, and I learned a lot about marketing. And I couldn't spell the word marketing uh, when I decided to put a nationwide race team together. Uh, and it turns out uh, that is not what you think it is because I've always seen people like you know Dale Earnhardt, like that dude races, he gets money, he just calls people up. They hand you big checks, and it's just awesome. Big bags of money. Life works great. Uh, it turns out that's that's not the way marketing works and yeah, sponsorship. Weird. Uh, it was a it was a very <clears throat> so. I'll back up a little. We talked we talk about putting the race team together. We kind of put it all together. Uh, I go to I, I I had a automotive class I was taking at the time for something I don't remember what it was or AC or condensers or something. Um, and I had to miss a night. But if I miss a night, it was going to drop my glow my grade down. Or I could go to this racing, um, this t- like kind of TED talk thing that a local, like a NASCAR, it wasn't really a NASCAR, it was like an ARCA car driver owner was going to come and talk a little bit about sponsorship and marketing and stuff and talk about his race program. And he was a younger kid uh, and he was going to talk about his race program, how, how it works for him. And I could listen to him or I could get the better grade. And I was like, you know what? I need to go listen to this kid. So I skipped class, went and listened to this kid. Uh, it turned out awesome. That night was probably the most pivotal night in my, as far as my racing career goes of any. Um, I, I was set on fire. I got to talk to a local company that said they'd sponsor me that night. We worked some stuff out. I came home the next day and made a list and made a list of all the people I knew would say yes to sponsorships. Then I make a list of maybes. Then I made a list of no's. Then I made a list of people probably aren't going to say no, but I'm going to call them anyway. Um, and that day was probably the most rudest awakening I've ever had as far as sponsorship marketing goes in racing in general, because I think I called 76 or 78 people. I went through all my, all my yeses, all my maybes, and I probably was in the no category before I got my first yes. Wow. Um, and I was offering at that point $1,000 for a year. So that's less than $100 a month. And I was giving you like, two pages like i mean like if you could dream it we would we would promise you that in that year in that 12 months time uh i mean i was bidding over backwards to do literally anything imaginable that i could think of or they could think of for a hundred dollars less than a hundred dollars a month and um and and that was that we were doing a 10 race series that's another thing like the southern rock racing series is what it used to be called now it's a national rock racing association um, was doing a 10 race cup series. So, uh, Sean cross was going to be a driver. I was going to be a driver and my brother was going to be a driver. Nate Holt, we were going to put a three. We all three were going to take turns because there's 10, no, nine, nine regular season races, three Northern, three central, three Southern, and then finals at the end. So we were going to take turns with the regular races. And then finals is like a two or three event, kind of like much like hammers or they're working with much like hammers. We were going to kind of chop that up and decide how that all figured out. So we're all going to get turns and it was going to be a team event because none of us at that point could afford to take the car financially to the races. Or time-wise, none of us could afford to take, you know, 10 weekends off a year. Plus, and the thing is, I say weekends. A lot of times you have to get there a couple days early, check out the courses. I mean, we don't really pre-run like Ultra 4 does, but we do check out the courses. Uh, we can allow to go up the hills and check everything out. But um, financially and time-wise, it's a huge, huge commitment. Much like, all you know, this year, Ultra 4 was a 10-race schedule, you know, counting hammers and finals, you know. So, I mean, doing that 10-race is a huge commitment. Yeah. And at that point, we're like just, you know, kind of poor kids, like trying to figure things out. Um, Sean Cross was awesome. I ended up buying the Rock Bouncer from him, you know, in the beginning, kind of helped easier with sponsorships and marketing and some stuff. Uh, so I bought it from him. We put a race team together and went racing, and we learned a lot, good and bad. Um, again, I'm still talking to Sean on a regular basis. He does some stuff with the Greta car. If you guys have seen his Ford Crown Vic, that's like monster, you know, yeah. military axle in the back. And, um, Josh Mazzoli, a Cadillac, you know, he's up some stuff with them and the, the death trap rigs and yes. they do some 
fun, crazy stuff. Again, Sean, like I said, I talked to him pretty regularly. He's, he's a great guy. I think the world of him. And I'm very thankful because he allowed me to get my start in the rock bouncing world, which gave me a springboard for other stuff. So, uh, I will be forever eternal grateful for him for helping, you know, being like, Hey, does anybody want to come team up and put this race thing together? And I'm, and I'm so glad that I was able to put a team dynamic together first before I went out on my own and built my own car and raced now race it full time myself, you know, before, before that, it was really nice. It's a great springboard. And I encourage people like a lot of people who are going to go race King of Hammers, like, Hey, do it as a team, get a couple guys together. You guys take turns driving, whatever. Or if you're going to try to do the whole series, put a couple of guys together, you know, go in halves in the car, whatever you got to do. You know, I, you know, if you got to start with a 4,600 car, that's like the biggest piece of junk ever go knock door to door and ask people for handouts. If you have to, you know, whatever, you know, make up flyers. There's so many things you can do nowadays to generate revenue for your race team that, you know, I know you guys uh, got a little bit into that in some of your previous talks. So I don't want to cover too much marketing stuff tonight, but I know there's a lot of things that you guys talked to Courtney about and, you know, about marketing stuff and some stuff that's coming in the, down the pipeline. That's really great for some of the newer drivers with the whole rookie series this year. I, I am super excited to watch that. Um, so that kind of got me into rock bouncing. Uh, I did, I've done it for, you know, I'm knocking on the door of close to a decade now uh, because of rock bouncing Clyde, uh, the guy who owns the national rock racing association, uh, <clears throat> me and him work very closely on a regular basis on a whole bunch of other stuff behind, you know, marketing and other kind of stuff that, that I am very fascinated and excited about. Um, and so I came to him one time and I was like, God, God, I'm so excited. We had this, you know, I was watching some other guys with drag racing and live feeds were starting to become a thing. And I said, I have this great idea. We're going to live feed. We're going to have these cameras. We're going to have some guys at a table. And he's like, all right, all right. Settle down, little buddy. We'll, we've got some stuff coming. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Clyde's the greatest thing ever. And I was telling him like, what are my great ideas? And he's like, okay, calm down. And then boom, he rolls out with this huge production trailer with, you know, hundreds of thousands of gear and satellites and, way way over the top stuff that i was dreaming of you know and he's like all right now what, what's your idea and i'm like okay you're, okay touche touche uh and then you know shortly after that it unveiled this rock racing tv kind of got initially he just owned it and it did races just for the national rock racing association then later it got kind of rebranded for rock racing tv and now they this year they did ultra four they did um the um, um, Oklahoma races at Mid America, their short course series. So we did it, kind of, kind of grew and evolved, and you know now is working with other publications. That things like um, I don't know if you guys have been to um, Visions, the big event they had where Visions this year was totally, totally bananas. They had at one point we had three different production teams, meaning that three different separate companies all doing broadcast simultaneously with three different racing events. We had. Uh, pit bike racing, RC racing, and 4400 class on, I think, on Saturday of Visions. All three live feeds being broadcast at the exact same time. So uh, when you start getting into big, big stuff like that, it's really neat to see how it all kind of comes together. And it's super crazy how it all works. Uh, I don't necessarily understand it all, all the time. Um, but Clyde does. And I'm just like, okay, whatever you, you tell me, boss. Whatever we need to do, we'll get it figured out. So um, I do I, commentary. Good. I think that's where I first saw you was at Visions this year. And I'm like... Who is this guy? He's all over the place. He's in this truck. Now he's in that truck. And he's always wearing a nice uh, shirt with combed hair. I'm like, this guy must be really important. Uh, yes. I The facade is working. You know, fingers crossed. Um, so I do commentary for Rock Racing TV uh, on rock bouncing type stuff, whether it be for – I've done some pro rock stuff before we do National Rock Racing Association – um, so there's a handful of different racing series. I've done production for, for rock racing TV, hammer King production, obviously is King of hammers. So I've done King of hammers the last couple of years for the shootout. And usually on Friday and Saturday nights, I'll fill in later in the night, 
uh, depending on how tired poor little Miles is from the last <laughs> two weeks of running ragged. Oh, poor, um, poor Miles. He, he, I'd say what that dude puts in more hours than 99% percent of people even understand. Oh, well, um, uh, he, the great thing about Miles is you would never know that when you're standing there talking to him because he's no. always got a beer in his hand and he's yep. super friendly. And you're like, super oh, friendly, chatting hours away. Have you been awake right now? Like, yeah, he does crap, like man. 18 to 20 hour days for, yeah. for like two weeks before Hammers even opens. You know, setting, I mean, like, I mean, like stuff you wouldn't even think about. He's out there setting flags up. He's yeah. out there posting social media. He's out there promoting, like, he does so much bloody behind the scenes stuff. It's unreal. And you don't know that until you go work side by side for a week with him. And you're like, dude, this guy's doing like 18, 20 hour days, yeah. not including pre interview stuff, pre filming stuff. I mean, uh, and again, the amount of knowledge he has in his head is just bananas. There's times like, yeah, it's a great link car. And he's like, yeah, it's it used to be owned by this guy, but it was built by this guy, yes. by this guy, but they sold it to this guy. Oh, but it was a Ford money, but now they changed it to Chevy and it was, you know, IFS, but they went back to straight axle because they thought that'd be a better design. And, and now it's a three link. It started as four link. And I'm like, how, like, how, and then he knows that about every car in the link. Yes. And every, like every class too. That's what really blows my mind. I'm like, dude, we got like 35 drivers that I'm trying to keep track of. And he's like, yeah, we got like 135 just in 44 class. And like, he knows every car, where it been, who had it, who, who raced last year, what place they came in. What, and since then, I, I teased him the other day. I'm like, how do you remember us? He's like, well, this year I had to give me a notebook. And I'm like, you don't say. Like, <laughs> you know, you're 16 years in this, bro. You know, like, yeah. and, and so I, I think the world of miles and what this is something I love telling people because nobody knows it. And it's so humbling to me to see it. Um, sometimes when I'm in the booth and I'm talking 4,400 stuff and it's like me and Ian or, you know, me and Ricky Johnson or somebody, and we're talking to 4,400 stuff. And like, let's say there's a driver I don't know, or maybe something that would be really great to know miles, even though he's not in the booth, he's back in the production trailer with a headset on feeding us details. So we can say him and it makes us look good. Like we're some big stud muffin and it has nothing to do with it. It's all miles and his knowledge feeding it to make us look great. So there's a lot of times that miles does stuff like that, that, Really, it, it no one knows except the guy in the booth with the headset on, and it's just a really class act on Miles's part that I that I really think is really awesome. So, and he doesn't get enough credit for all those little things he does, like going setting flags up and you know do, posting social media and helping promote events, and and he does so so much behind the scenes that no one ever sees except the guy next to him helping set up flags. So, you know, I, I have a lot of respect for Miles, and he is definitely like the most knowledgeable. And I, we were teasing somewhere there's a me and Courtney and a handful of us at uh, Peter Ice Show that were teasing. Teasing some guys and saying that I think Miles is probably the most knowledgeable Ultra Four person there is, even more than Dave Cole as far as drivers go, because Miles works so close to him. Dave is probably the overall heading as far as like logistics, but as far as drivers and cars go, I think I think Miles is probably the most knowledgeable Ultra Four person there is. Like anytime we, I have questions. Uh... Could we call him like the uh, Dale Jr. historian of NASCAR? I mean, totally, I think pretty totally, close. totally. And I think he's that great guy that he's like kind of chill like Dale Jr. Like, yeah, everywhere, just hanging out, you know, cars yeah. on fire. You know, we've all been there. And I'm like, no, <laughs> we haven't been there. You know, like, like he's super chill. He's going like, and it's, I, I, I am much like him in the way that I get very, very excited in the booth. Like, oh my God, here he goes. Like just hearing him go nuts in the booth is like one of my favorite things. Cause that's how kind of I am, you know, and then there's other times you're like, oh, great. Another day, another dollar, you know, but mm. you know, I, I am much like him in the booth. You know, I have Bree Mulder is my co-star with rock racing TV. 
Uh, she does a great job of kind of staying the even kill much better than I do when there's crazy action going on. I mean, luckily the camera isn't on us. A lot of times with rock bouncing, that's so intense, you know, jumping or landing or rolling. So on the camera, we have drones now that we f chase with. So, you know, when you're watching this awesome drone footage, you kind of just hear me in the background. It's not bad, but I'm like in the booth up and down jumping, like cups are flying. Like it's very, very cool to be part of that. Uh, because of rock racing TV, I've gotten to do things with ultra four. Now, uh, I just talked to miles and, uh, about the schedule this year and I work close to them. I help them do some social media stuff with Courtney and use them in the media tent, working with some other media people doing some stuff. And I got to get roped into some projects sometimes, uh, driving line is a magazine I write for. Uh, um, there's a couple guys I, I deal with closely there and we do articles on ultra four and tech articles and some other stuff. That's really, really a lot of fun. Uh, again, something that one of my 10 jobs that kind of just trickled in because of my knowledge and experience with racing and, you know, because I own off-road shop, you know, after we, after the first year racing, Sean Cross's buggy, we ended up, ended up selling it back to him and he traded it, sold it, traded it and sold it back, I think twice now. So he's like, keeps coming back and getting reconditioned, changed. And, uh, the year following, I built the hyperactive rock bouncer, uh, again, tube chassis, uh, it's kind of got the double wishbone, kind of like the old school Jimmy Ch Jimmy Smith chassis and the early Ultra Four chassis. Um, I built something that looked kind of resembled a Rock Bouncer, uh, just because I kind of like that old school kind of style. Uh, I've raced it and revamped it dozens of times. You know, we run bypass ADS bypass shocks and Warren Winch and some other guys that team up with help us keep the car in what somewhat of a mangled shape sometimes. And uh, we race it and we break it and we have a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I now do all the whole full series now uh, by myself racing. You know, sometimes I have guys go with me helping pit and do other stuff, which with us is not really pitting because we do one course in the morning, one course in the afternoon. So we have a, a usually a, a pretty good break to fix anything we broke. If it's repairable, we can usually get it banged back to shape, uh, much like an Ultra 4 car, but we have a little bit longer span since we race one at a time versus where Ultra 4 is racing all at once and it's one shot. Um so I went there. So that's, you know, another thing that we do the race program, we will sponsors, we do marketing, um, you know, and so we do, I do commentary, which is kind of a double hearted hat to kind of wear. It's kind of, kind of stinks because you got to put one hat on, do commentary. And then so I was like, I'll be right back folks. Run over and jump in the buggy, race it and be like, Ooh, that was crazy. Tell us about that run. Bree. You know, it's, it's kind of comical to see, you know, how that evolves sometimes. Um, and that's why King of Hammers is kind of different for me because I'm not racing. I get to just say I've, I've raced the shootout before, but I've never raced a 4,400 car or anything. So it's kind of neat to kind of sit back and watch, be part of it, but not be as crazy. Uh, and that's so kind of how we feel about Hammers too, because we are not race car drivers. Mm. Uh, we're not even co-drivers. We just help guys work on their stuff, and it's it is a vacation. It's a working vacation, but it's fun. Man, I it mean, is like you I don't come have home to hammers. worry about being super in danger at any given point unless I'm like out at night driving around without my headlights in, on. anywhere outside the wire. Super. In yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's no, I, I love it. It's like I tell people it's like great. King of Hammers is like Disney World. Everybody should go at least yes. once to experience it because there's things you see there and get an experience that you would probably not get to see or experience anywhere else in the world like that type of experience because it's so crazy and insane to try to explain it to someone like, Hey, yeah, you have no cell phone service usually. Uh, and there's like, um, there's some bathrooms, but they're way over there. And there's some food that's kind of way on that direction. And, um, yeah, it's, we're here to party. Like we're 15, 20 miles from town and, uh, we're going to be here. We're going to do like 20 hour days for like, you know, a week, two weeks, whatever it takes. Uh, you know, if you're a race team, you might be there two more weeks ahead of time to do pre-running and checking and et cetera, et cetera. 
so yeah, it's going to be awesome. Like if you told people like, Hey, I need you to come work a 20 hour day for me. Uh, and you're going to get no sleep. You're going to sleep in the worst, dustiest environment and you're not going to get paid for it. I I'll tell you what, I'll get you a hoodie. Uh, but the rest <laughs> of the stuff is all on you. <laughs> like, you know, um, we'll have some snacks and you get a hoodie high five. You know, most <laughs> people would be like, uh, no, yeah. and run screaming the opposite direction but yet somehow all of us get dozens of friends to come there and you know we call them crew staff members you know whatever so uh that part i kind of like um i do sleep I better at hammers than like anywhere else oh like, yeah i just crash at night yeah so it good. is like it's so funny because like after you do a 20-hour day you get the best four your body gets oh, the yeah. best foot like you there can be guys ripping by, by aside your camper and you will sleep like a baby uh, no who was what. that Last year on Wednesday night, Sublime played, right? Yep. yep. We have a big race on Thursday morning. <coughs> it's midnight. Sublime takes the stage. I feel like the inside of my camper is going to explode because we're oh, yeah. right behind the stage. I was out by the second song. Like, I yeah, hate to like admit it. I like Sublime, but I slept through the entire concert 100 feet behind the stage. Yep. Yeah, you're like, man, that's a great... Yeah. Like out. Like, oh, I know. remember these guys from the nineties. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny. Cause I'm, I'm a hyperactive guy. I got 200 miles an hour. I'm like a light switch when I'm like mid story and then out like a light sleeping. And I wake up the same way when I wake up, I'm going 200 mile an hour right out the gate. And so it's kind of funny. Cause that's how everybody becomes a hammers after about four days, four 20 hour days, you like it's like a light switch you're like mid-story beverage in hand and you just kind of fall asleep and you wake up like and there we were oh my god <laughs> you know and it's yeah. it's so funny because again if i told everybody conditions of hammer town and what it's like to be at that and then i i told you by the way you get no pay they'd be like this is the worst job ever but yet you go and you love it and it's awesome and again rock bounce community kind of is what i come from you know our races aren't as long obviously as like a you know 4400 day no matter if you're a fan, whether you're a you know, photographer, no matter what role you play in Hammertown during Saturday at 4,400, you were literally up at 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning, and you don't go to bed till 3, 4, 5 o'clock that night. Uh, and, I mean, it's, you know, and that's if you have a good day. If you have a bad day, you might be, you know, a little earlier. But, you know, it's, it's crazy just to see how it all evolves and what it goes into. And, you know, Rock Bounce community is a little bit different. A lot of times we'll get there. It depends on who you are. Uh, you know, Timmy gets there. Timmy Cameron gets there like on Tuesday afternoon, Thursday after, you know, Wednesday afternoon. You know, we we, we didn't even start marking the cores off till like Wednesday, Thursday. He's already there checking it out, looking at stuff. You know, getting bar barometric pressures. You know, and so uh, you know, we have some other guys that are starting to get there earlier. Clyde gets out, starts setting the course up. Some of them is a park owner. Some some parks we have. You kind of know exactly what you're racing, kind of like King Hammers. You don't know exactly the course, but you know all the main areas you're going to go up or down at Hammers. So that's what a lot of guys will go, you know, pre-run Christmas to New Year's or whatever, Thanksgiving, or you've know, got a lot of guys who go out and pre-run and have fun, whether it be a side-by-side -side or a truggy or something, and, and really enjoy it. And it's kind of interesting to see how Hammers has evolved, too, with the new, you know, with the desert stuff coming in. This year they're bringing, you know, the motos back the weekend before. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out I, i'm excited like i said i watch i like watching king motos uh i would never do it because i think that's like clearly just total oh, i do not have the capacity dude. to that i two years ago we watched and we stood there um kind of around the chocolate thunder area and yeah this poor, this poor guy man he drops his bike like three times and you can tell he just wants to die <laughs> and we're just like come on man you can do it we're let's go get it up. And he's just pointing at us like, 
that's what I need. That's what I need. And he makes it like 10 more feet and dumps it again. It's just like, wow, you must really hate your life to do this. Yeah. And Chocolate Thunder's a great gauntlet there just to cheer somebody on as they dump it 10, 12 times in a row. Like, yeah, it's that's a that's a rough, rough task to have. So um I like King Hammers. King Hammer's a lot of fun. Um, like I said, I work closely with a lot of people there. Um, a lot of the broadcasters I do stuff with. Uh being rock racing TV, I do that on the East Coast uh midwest east coast more of the center you know like a lot of oklahoma races so you know middle of the u.s too um with them and clyde again we know real well uh i do some in front of the camera like broadcasting sometimes i'm behind the camera running a switcher uh run cameras Uh, like i said prayer city this year we were out there doing broadcasting for all the ultra four races this year so prayer city we i one of my jobs was going to get pizza for everybody that afternoon uh clyde's like hey what are you doing right now i said nothing what do you need and he's like uh i need some pizza you want some lunch for us and our broadcast team and the drone guys and some other people i'm like yeah sure so you know it's kind of funny you think of the glamorous job of like oh i'm i'm a anchor and then the next minute you're getting pizza so i think that like you have to kind of no matter no matter what job you're in, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt and not take it too serious, you know? So, and, and again, I love pizza as much as anybody else. I kind of ordered, <laughs> made sure I got one the way I want it, ham, light sauce, extra cheese, you know? So it's like, you know, and, and again, I, there's nothing you will make, you will make, never make friends faster that when you show up and they're hot and they're tired, you have some cold drinks and some hot pizza, you will make a lot of friends real, real quick. So uh, that part's, you know, kind of cool too. And I, like I said, you know, a lot of guys really appreciate it. If you're, working a long day and you're on a camera, especially at King, King Hammers is kind of special, you know, with an, any ultra four race, you might be, you might have to go out hours, even photographers that are doing it for a magazine or for their own social media presence or for a race team. Some of those guys have to get out to their posts extremely early. King Hammers being the, ex- the kind of the exception of the rule. Those guys got to get out there at like three, four o'clock, five o'clock in the morning and set up and just wait for till, you know, they're out there at 6 a.m. and they're out there until 12 p.m. taking pictures of a cars driving by you know, those guys are eating a lot of dust. You're out there for long hours. It starts out really cold, <laughs> then it gets really hot, and it gets back to really cold again. So, um, you know, if you can have somebody run you out a drink or a snack or, you know, something, it's it makes a big, big difference. And those guys really appreciate it. And, again, I always, take, you know, always show a lot of love because I said, you know, those photographers, those videographers, they help make us famous, you know. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, if a racer races in the woods and nobody sees it, did you really race? I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's a good, you man, know, I got some people I'm going to drop that bomb yes, on, yes. you know, like, yeah, it's really cool. Like you could have the fastest race car and have the greatest race in your world. But like, if you have no photos and no videos of it, it kind of sucks. You know, I'm, uh, you, I know one driver that definitely drove in the woods and that's Tom Pernergast. Yes. He has, <laughs> you know, he has the bark mark mark on his chassis still from, uh, from visions when they had all that. Yeah. Death. Oh my God. Oh, it, Dude, there we were on the radio with him, and he's like, I thought we were moving. I really thought we were moving. And then we realized we were pinned up against this tree, and we were just spinning tires and blowing dust Yeah, throwing dust. And we're like, man, we were getting it out. There's somebody on our bumper. We were killing yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of guys complaining about dust divisions this year. And they, you know, obviously wet the track down some, but not near enough. And, and knowing those guys, they'll probably have, again, knowing Jason he'll be the kind of guy if he's oh dust is a problem okay great next time you show up there's a whole sprinkler system installed in the entire park you know the only downside to visions because uh i love uh the robinettes i love what mid america is doing was the freaking temperature and i know there's nothing they can do about that they did give us a pool they they did 
Holy smokes. You're talking to a couple of dudes from Colorado, man, that live in the mountains, like 65 degrees and we're melting. Yeah. And we yeah. were dying. Well, and then there's humidity in the Midwest. Like, well, and that's the thing that gets you. We tell everybody I'm from Illinois. Like our humidity yeah. is 100%. If you walk outside, you're melting at like 82. So when it hits like 89, 90, 96, and the visions this year was very hot. The humidity oh. is what kills you. Cause I've been in Arizona. I've been in California <clears> and <throat> I've been at like 96 degrees in the shade. I'm like, it's not bad. Yeah. And I've been like 86 degrees in Illinois and you're like dripping. Dang. Like you're literally oh. melting the sweat away. So like during uh, the summer is, here, the heat of heat of the summer, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, will be, will max out. at like a relative humidity of, 18%. And then it gets down to 4% in the afternoon. So yeah. that's what we're used to working with up here is dry as dry can be. And then you go to Oklahoma where it's, it's 100 90s. Yeah, it's 80s, 90s humidity. Oh my gosh. So I, I'm getting PTSD flashbacks right now. One, and I <laughs> it, will say it was, this. Robinette said, hey, that was kind of miserable. Let's move it up a month to June. And so there's a lot of guys that are like, hey, June's going to be better. Uh, I'm from <laughs> Kansas. I'm telling you, I appreciate the effort, but it's not yeah, gonna be it's, any better. It's, <laughs> I'm with you. I don't I don't know if June will be any better. Like May through August is pretty much like the end yes. of May through August is pretty much just miserable. My, and it's and it's hit or miss. Like it's not all the time. My personal rule having lived in the mountains for 15 years is you do not go home to Kansas, Arkansas, Oklahoma yes. from Memorial day to labor day. That's yeah. a rule. And I broke it last <laughs> year to go racing. Yeah. And it, at least, at least they did have the pool. That's like the, you know, they're saving yeah. race. Like, Hey, oh, we have dude. this great pool, lazy river. We have lots of beverages, lots of food. Like all your friends are going to be here. Like we got some concerts. They had some cool stuff, you know, and what Jason and them built are, is incredible, man. It I is. Mean, and the fact that, cow. and here's what's insane. When you realize it's been all done in like the last three or four years, it yeah. makes it even more bananas. Like when you get oh, yeah. on Google earth and look them up, none yes. of that stuff yes. is there. No, I it's, and what's funny is we've been going there for four years now. I think four years we've been going there. So it's funny to see what the park started as and what it is now for us who have gone there for four years. Cause the first four years, Every time I went there, and there were sometimes we went there two times or three times a year. Every time we went there, it was something major that was new. Like we went there for our finals. I think the very first year we raced there, we went there for our finals uh, for SRS, uh, and they had taken the pool. We awesome pool, lots of fun, and really enjoyed it. They took the entire pool, tore it out, and put an in-ground pool in because it wasn't big enough. And I'm like, what? I'm like, you're the only off-road park that I know of that has a pool and you want to expand it. And that's when I was like, okay, these guys aren't messing around. Like these guys are pretty legit. And you know, now seeing with a steakhouse and the coffee shop, and now they have, Oh, the last time we were there. Oh, you know what? Rocks are up a little dust. We'll put all asphalt around in all the camping areas. I'm like, this is bananas to see that, you know, I mean, just the amount of asphalt they poured in the last couple months for visions was insane. You know, and then, uh, um, for what they did for ultra four in October, and they said, hey, you know, we understand it was crowded at Visions. We're going to move you 20 miles over to Disney. And everybody's so, like, that's never going to work. You can't race there. And they put on one of the best events we've probably ever been to. So we were talking a little bit before. And I'm like, okay, so you're going to have Rock, you know, Southern National Rock Racing Association and Ultra 4 Finals and Short Course Finals all at the same park. I'm like, this is going to be chaos. But I was like, you know what? It's going to be awesome. I'm excited. They have great camping areas. I'm like, this is going to be great. It'll be a lot of fun because when all you and all your friends are together, it makes it way. It's kind of like hammers. It's, you know, all your friends are together. It's going to be a good time. 
And then I was talking to Clyde. And he's like, oh, yeah, they moved it to Disney and they're going to have our finals. And, and I was thinking, man, this is going to work right. Like just because logistics, there's not a lot of room at Disney and there's only certain campgrounds and a lot of they might be booked. And I, so I was kind of expressing some of my like kind of concerns to Clyde, like, man, this could not go well. And he goes, uh, yeah, Jason wanted to solve that. So he just called all the campgrounds and was like, yeah, give me, I need everything. Just I'll take it all. Yeah. And I was like, oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that'll work. Yeah. And then he called like, the town and he said, hey, can we use your baseball fields for a campground? And they said, like, sure. Why yeah. not? So like literally every campground just got sold out to Robinette. And then he just like, all right, here guys. Yeah. He kind of gave it to like JT and Clyde and was like, yeah, just figure that out. Like Clyde. Yeah. So Clyde was like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Just start pinching everybody in and figuring stuff out. And it worked out amazing. The races were awesome. It was super cool. To, uh, again, uh, uh, the, the trick or treat thing was probably one of my favorite things. I brought the bouncer out. We sat, we talked, we shook hands with people and 90, I would say 95 and 99% of people I shook hands with and talked to were like, Oh, so what is this kind of thing here? I'm like, oh, you guys aren't here for the race this weekend? No, we lived a town two counties over. We just yeah. heard there was trick or treating going on. And I'm like, so you're not here for the Ultra Four race or the the Rock Bouncer race? They're like, no, no, we're not here to watch the National Rock Racing Association Ultra Four. Uh, these these cars here, like they they didn't know an Ultra Four car with a 4400 class. They do nothing. I'm like, do you know what a side by side is? Like, is that the ones that look like golf carts? I'm like, yeah, that's kind of yeah. My neighbor had my neighbor has one of those. He's it's yep. pretty neat. It's He's like, it's a Kawasaki mule. I'm like, well, that's not, okay. Yeah, you know, it's it's cool. You know, whatever, put it in there. Or it's like a Pioneer. You know, it's a Pioneer. You know, he always law lumber in it. Like, okay, yeah, hey, yeah. whatever. I so uh, was, I would agree. I was a little confused about how logistics were going to work because we work with multiple teams and are we going to be next to each other or not? How far away are we going to be? How are we going to get to the race itself? Man, and it all ended up being great. And It did. You just said it. The people, the local community was like, you know, you never know, especially from a UTV guy like me, you never know how a community is going to accept you. Um, Cause there could be some of those people that put up the signs in the front yard that say, keep away. But yeah, down there, they were just like the one lady, my it wife was. talked to that owned a little shop downtown. She was like, if you guys weren't here, we'd be dead. So yeah. thanks for coming and spending money uh, yeah. and helping us. Yeah, and then like in the food vendors, I think we all did a great job. Like so the town came out. Like and the, the thing about the Halloween night was it was so many families that came out, and most of them yeah. had no idea what the sport is. And again, I think that's really neat. It's a great way to shake hands and kiss babies for our sport, both rock bouncing and ultra four. You know, both both kind of be able to come out. And again, you have two different kind of sports, but they're kind of the same thing because they're both. I mean, essentially, when I was, it's so funny to talk to. Ultra four guys. I'm like, oh, you run this axle? Yeah, well, we run that axle. You run RCVs? We run RCVs. Oh, you run a 14 bolt? We run a 14 bolt. You run an LS? We run LS. And you, oh, you run those knuckles? We run. You know? And it's kind of weird to see like all the part list is essentially the same. The same thing with the Icelandic Formula off road guys. If you guys have ever watched the guys that climb the hills and skim the water with their Jeeps, we got shocked to them and they run literally. There's one of my buddies, the, the bomb race team. We ran through his part list and almost the exact same part from top to bottom was our car side by side, but yet completely different style racing but for the off-road community to get out and shake hands with all those families and introduce all these people to the sport of off-road racing and, and i mean it was so so awesome and again all the kids were so happy to be there pants were awesome we had some hero cards we hand out some stickers we hand out uh, and again they all were super blown away totally loved it and again a great you know great job on you know all of the off-road people that made that happen you know even the local sheriffs came out and helped us get cars lined up and stuff so like it's really, really neat to see a town kind of come behind something like that, and all the people that made took made that possible. 
you know, Clyde and Jason and, you know, all the people that with Ultra 4 that came over and hung out, and made it happen, all the drivers that showed up with the cars. Because, again, there was a lot of drivers get cars out. Some guys would rather be sitting back in camp working on a car or going to take pictures or doing fun stuff, you know. But I think once you get out there and see that kind of community come out, and the streets were packed. Yeah. Like, it was, it was really, really neat to see. Yeah, and we were racing – that afternoon in the 4900 class so we didn't get over there until late but my wife and son like they left our race to go up there and do that um and you know they like to go to the races but it's easier for them to really watch a race on the live feed at home yeah so my wife was just like this is great because we watched until we were tired of watching and we didn't know what was going on. And so then we went trick or treating and we met all these people and we super awesome. We had kind of lived in that area in a previous life. And so we ran into some friends down there and it was just like, man, this is, there was a, she will deny it, but there was a good (laughs) 10 minute window where my wife was like, I could potentially move back down here. And I had to tell her the same thing I told Hopper. This is October, not yes. July. They're yes. trying to trick you. Yep. Right yes. Now. Yes. Yes. I, cause I, we did, um, <clears throat> because of this year, because of the way the season changed out. And I do work with so many different aspects of off-road racing. Uh, I did like 42 ish, 42 plus events this year. Um, you are was, a busy guy. Yeah, I am. When I, and when I say events, I mean, um, like Prairie City, we were gone for 10 days for because we flew out a couple of days early, goofed around, did some stuff, uh, did all the <clears throat> broadcasting for Prairie City. And then after that, we went hit. Uh, we were going to do four dice and uh, Rubicon, but we didn't get a chance to do Rubicon because some of the guys ended up leaving. So we ended up just doing four dice, which was insane. Did some wheeling, and then I ended up driving the production truck and trailer back. I'd fly out there and drive the truck trailer back. So I was gone 10 days for that. Hammers, it's usually anywhere from 12 to 14 days. So a lot of those quote-unquote events it aren't just like a weekend. You know, even even our races, I'm usually leaving Wednesday night or Thursday morning early, and I'm gone, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I get home late Sunday night, sometimes Monday morning, depending on what aspects we're doing. Sometimes we'll stop off and make pit stops around other places to meet whether it be potential sponsors or sponsors that are current sponsors, um, friends, family, guys who just help, you know, want to see the car or, you know, we've done some charity events. We do some local events, some mud drags, mud bog stuff, still with the bouncer to kind of get out and shake hands and kiss babies and all the good stuff. That's, and again, a local event, which is a lot of fun because it's usually no stress because I'm, I'm racing, but I'm not say racing. It's not like a big nationwide event that I'm competing in points for. It's a local event. It's a one-off. We'll come out and hang out and have fun and, Usually I'll either drive it really conservative and just kind of make a day of it and, or we'll drive really wild. And if we break or we roll over the crowd, goes good nuts. and it's, it's a lot of fun and I don't mind putting on a show cause it's a local hometown event and why not? So, um, so we did, yeah, 42 ish events this year, you know, so not all those we take the bouncer to some are just broadcast only where I fly in with a suitcase, do my job and then fly home. I got to do a few of those this year and that was super Gucci. I've never felt more like <laughs> I have never felt like a more of a flex and just got to fly in me in my backpack, my wheelie, do my job and get to go home. That was, that's pretty awesome. We, uh, uh, we do always tease guys that we know that fly into events mm-hmm. and I, I foresee in the next year, maybe we might end up having to do that once or twice. Yeah. Uh, it's we did once, not go to Crandon and we should have gone to Crandon and we will yeah. go next year. And that was that, that would have been like that for us. Cause it was like, it's just too tight. Like yeah. let's just fly in, go to the race for two days, fly home. It does sound kind of nice. 
Oh, I do not do it. I'm tell I'm screaming it from the rooftops. Please, I'm begging you, do not do it. Because once you do, <laughs> you will never go back to be like, I mean, like I said, I put, you know, 60,000 miles probably this year on a Kodiak, you know, top kick 6,500, you know, yeah. pulling a trailer all across America, you know, as well as a half dozen other vehicles. So I, I, I'm telling you, do not do it. Because once you do, you're like, you know, you Uber to the hotel or you get a rental car. Uh, it's even worse when you Uber because like you Uber to the hotel or shuttle to the hotel, you get an Uber to the race or you get somebody else pick you up. So literally you don't do any driving. You sit in the back and play on your phone. <laughs> oh, uh, man. I'm telling you, once you do it, you're like, well, what have I been doing with my life? I am failing. Like, I can't believe you, I drove 18 hours to get the king of the hammers by myself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do it. Illinois is like more like 32, 36, depending Ooh, on, you know, yeah. how hard you push and oh. how many fuel stops you got to make. And yeah, you're, you're, I, I'm going to say 32 to 36, depending on how many fuel stops and what traffic is like. So uh, I did it by myself one time and it was a long trip there and a long trip home. Everybody else flew or met me there or whatever. Uh, and I drove a truck and trailer. I left Decatur, Illinois, drove to Springfield, Missouri, got left at like five o'clock at night, drove to Missouri, got there at like 2 30 in the morning slept uh slept until like 5 30 at 5 30 in the morning got up drove 22 and a half hours solid to flagstaff arizona pulled over slept till like four or five hours and then i wanted to drive 24 hours straight but i i just my i was starting to weave and when you got a 40 foot trailer oh, close trailer yeah. two rigs and tools and parts i'm like okay if i crash this it's not gonna go well so pulled over slept for a little while got up the next morning and i had like six hours left to do eight hours left to do and it wasn't too bad got there at like noon one that was the first year I raced race there. Um, before, I'd always just flown out and rented a car, goofed around with other people, whatever. Uh, I've slept on the lake bed. And I, when I say on the lake bed, I mean like in a like in like a zipped up zip bag on the actual lake bed. I've slept in campers. I've slept in the front seat of an RV. And I've slept in tents and enclosed trailers. I've slept in nice, nice campers. And I've slept in hotels. So I've done about every facet you could sleep in. And I'm telling you, hotels are pretty much the only way to go at this point. Now, <laughs> yeah, it depends I, uh, I on think what you're doing. But my rule for hammers is that it's a different beast. And I want to have a good bed. You know, visions, different story. I slept in the back of Josh Smith's trailer for a couple nights. And you slept on the and he, he wanted to leave early and I didn't want to leave yet. So then I slept on the ground the last yep. night under it starts raining. So I'm sliding <laughs> under hopper super duty. <laughs> but I didn't care because for visions like that was kind of fit. But man, hammers is yeah. so dusty and so long. And I'm just like, I'm taking my camper. I'm sleeping in my bed. I'm using my toilet. I, I don't yeah. like I don't let Hopper use my toilet. That's against the rules. Yeah, uh, we have we have a few of those. We so uh, it depends on. So I've stayed at a, like a dozen different times at Mid America. This like I said, this year we did all the short course races plus we did all those four races. So I was at twelve to fourteen times probably this year alone. I was at Mid America um, just for production stuff, not including races. So we did. Um, we've stayed in cabins. I've stayed in. There's a big thing called the bunkhouse or the media house. Uh, they have a couple of bunk houses, but the media house is one that used to be a livestock like auction block. And now it's basically like 27 sets of bunk beds and like two bathrooms. And it's pretty much all only dudes in there. And there's a couple <laughs> of bed, there's a, there's a couple of bedrooms, but it's exciting. Cause the thing is it's all production people. So, you know, whether you're a videographer, whether you're a drone operator, whether you're part of, the, of a production crew, whether you're a camera, you know, whether you do communication stuff, like you're all in this one, it's awesome. But it kind of sucks at the same time. It's awesome to a guy who's an extrovert because I'm like, 
it's all these people getting up super early and all these people heading out nighttime, but it's really cool. Cause you're all in the same crazy life. So there's like a 10 minute window where you're all get back, but yet you, before you fall asleep, where you're all laughing and telling stories and it's super, super neat. Uh, so yeah, if you ever get, if you ever sleep on a tree, hit me up, I'll, I'll, I'll find you a nice warm bed to stay in the shower. So, um, <laughs> lake bed, my thing is, and it also depends on what facet you're, if you're flying out and you're meeting your buddies, I can always find a place to stash you in somebody's trailer or somewhere. Yeah. Stan Brannick, you know, I know he sold the semi now, but I'm sure I could find a place where you could go and crash at. Uh, again, Brannick's trailer is great. Like there was like 47 dudes sleeping in that thing sometimes. Like, but it was awesome because it's great because we're all doing our thing. So, um, you know, I, I've seen there's a couple semi trailers out there where there's a lot of dudes sleeping in. So I can always find a place if somebody wants to come out and goof off. Uh, I again, I have a buddy who does camper rentals, so he's uh, uh, first class rvs.net.com. Um, he's a buddy of mine who does RV rentals out there for a bunch of guys. Uh, Andy is his name. He's a good dude. He, t- he takes care of a lot of, a lot of race teams out there. He has one area where he camps. Like he goes to a lot of events. He rents RVs for like, you know, everything from like burning man to rock bouncing sports, but rock bouncing is like, or his friends. It's crazy how we just all became friends. And so he comes and stays in his camper and has like a giant octagon that gets bigger every year. And that's like all of our people. Uh, yes. I said RP, a bunch of his people that I'm also really good friends with some rock bouncer guys. And it's, they've been the same, they've been the same little octagon for like, since they've started for a decade now. And he stays there. He sometimes will bring meals out, cook for everybody and hangs out and just loves it. He's from Germany. So it's crazy. Awesome, dude. Love him to death. Uh, and, and again, you meet a lot of people, hang out, chit chat on the campfire make a lot of friends. Uh, and it's really, really just an awesome, great experience to hang out. And that's what I can, I think is so special about hammers is you get around the campfire and telling stories and laughing and you just have like the greatest time ever. And you're literally nowhere miles from cell phone service, sometimes miles from a bathroom or a place to eat. So you kind of just depend on the kindness of others. And it's, it's amazing to see how that kind of evolves for people. So, uh, and then there's hotels, which the last couple of years have been hotel and just drove back and forth. I, if it's super late, I can always crash at somebody's place, but it's nice to have a shower and cell phone service and, you know, Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever you're into. Uh, I've kind of, kind of got kind of bougie last couple of years in that aspect. And it is a lot, it is a lot of nice. Like I said, I, I, if it's late and we're a bunch of us hanging around the campfire, I might crash at his place, you know, like, Oh, you got a bed, you got a couch, whatever, chill there. But, you know, and that way you can still go get a nice warm shower and be nice and lean and clean and dry and at least get like the silt out of your eyes for a while, you know. Um, but there's a couple different aspects of that. Again, it depends if, you know, it works out for your budget. A lot of times, you know, what I tell people is get, get a, you know, if you're going to do hotels, which are nice, nice, a little nicer opinion, but it's a little more money. Usually you can get, you know, two queen beds, split it with four dudes. And if it's a hundred, hundred and fifty dollar room, now you're 25 bucks a person per night. So it's not crazy expensive. You know, you get a rental car, cheap rental car, ride back and forth. I have seen in the ESOB welding booth, I have seen rental cars jacked up and they're welding like trailing arms or, you know, A-arms back on like a, like, you know, we shitty wouldn't cobalt. know anything about that. We've never okay. rallied rental cars to Amherst. Rear wheel drive Dodge rental yeah. pickups. Yeah, I, I feel like there's more to that story that maybe needs to be uncovered at some point off camera. It uh, might have to be reenacted this year. <laughs> yeah. I, I've literally I've rolled past the Esau booth and seen like, you know, Chevy Cobalt's jacked up and they're welding stuff back together. I'm like, ooh, that's a rental car. Like so somebody uh, didn't pay year- for insurance. <laughs> last year i was lucky enough to get uh invited hopper didn't get to go he's still a little salty about it but i was invited to go to a nascar race uh over at kansas speedway uh by our good friend josh dowell and he got us like vip uh cup tickets so we got to hang out in the pits and 
we were there for three days. We're watching all these races. And I'm like, man, this is the same world, but totally different. Totally different. Because I'm like, I'm clean. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm not all dirty and gross. (laughs) This is weird. And then, you know, all the guys that work in the pits, like they're doing the same stuff we're doing. They're down in there getting dirty and they're just like, yeah, we got, you know, we'll go back to the hotel or our buddy, uh, Dylan Dow, he pits for, uh, Martin Truex's team, Joe Gibbs racing. And he yep. was like, I flew in this morning and I'm flying out right after the race. And I'm like, <laughs> yep. wow, that's nuts. And he's like, that's how we do it, man. Every weekend. But it's just, it's the same, but it's totally different. The cool thing there was they told me this trick. The Dow brothers did. Just wear a Ford racing shirt that has a collar, carry a clipboard around and have a pissed off look on your face. And they're like, you can go anywhere at the track and no one will question you. <laughs> no, I, my dad says when I was very young. He taught me he it probably one of the one of the most important things he taught me was. And, and it's been so funny. If you walk in like you own the place, people yes. will treat you like you do. And 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 I, I say that like and. We've all been in a situation. We've been at a racing event or a concert, and let's say there's some gate you can't get past. And there's a guard there with like a little. He has a special lanyard on. I have walked through millions of times at millions of events. We walk through Modoc and on the cell phone, acting like you're angry at somebody or you're talking to somebody, and you just even just confidently walk through a gate. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, that high school guy that's supposed to be checking bags is gonna even gonna look up and talk yeah. to you. How he many times even... did we go in the VIP tent last year at Hammers? Oh, we so holy much cow! Food. I mean, no, we didn't do that. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, and I just walked just, in there. It's so funny because I look back at my childhood, and there was one time we were at a monster truck race. We were at, like this big monster truck event, monster truck race. We're backstage, like getting T-shirts from drivers. They're signing our T-shirt. And they're giving it to us, and we're hanging out with drivers wearing like crew shirts, getting them signed by drivers. Yeah. In the VIP, like like right next to the monster, we're touching a monster truck. We hadn't even paid yet to get in the stadium and we're down there in the pit area and we just uh, walked right in. Like nobody said anything. I mean, I've walked in concerts. I've done all kinds of stuff. Walked it and no one ever. Now, if you walk up and like, um, Hey sir, um, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, can I, can I go over there? You know what they're going to tell you? No, yeah. you gotta have a badge. Yeah. No, you gotta have a pass. No, you gotta have this little special green band or whatever. Like if you walk up like you're like, and that like, and I, I kind of take that into life too. If you walk into a sales meeting like that, if you walked into a sponsorship pitch and you're like, um, can I get some money for my race car? They're gonna be like, Oh, sorry. Our budget's tight. Yeah. You're like, listen, bro, I got the deal for you. You are not we like, Oh, well, maybe we should pay attention to this guy, you know? Like, yeah. so, I mean, you kind of need to approach that, you know, that, you know, kind of you treat you know, people treat you like the owner. If you act like you are, you know? And again, I kind of take that approach sometimes in life. Now, obviously if there's some guard, you know, you're like walk, try to get behind Coachella and you don't have the right band. Yeah. And there's like a head yeah. guard. He's not going to go past your Mr. Confidence walk. He's gonna be like, sir, oh, that's great. You can confidently walk right back to the end of that line, sir. You yeah. know, like, you know, you're not getting backstage at a Jay-Z concert. That ain't so, uh, no, like- when we were at the NASCAR race, we were at the Xfinity race on Saturday. We were hanging out uh, behind, um dale jr's bass pro team and we had our bass pro gear on because we're bass pro guys not me me and my wife are bass pro fans and the lady looked the the media lady for his team uh looked at us and she goes oh are you with bass pro and my wife was like no we're just big fans and she, oh. her, she goes sweetie 
The answer at NASCAR is always yes. <laughs> yes. So the next yes. day we were hanging out uh, behind Truex's pit, also a Bass Pro car wearing our stuff. And a very ambitious security guard lady walked by and our foot was on the yellow line. And she goes, excuse me, are you with this team? And my wife looked at her and she said, yes, we are. And she said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, yep. don't mind me. And we were yep. just like, Yes. That and yes is always the answer. Yes, and again they will, and and again bless that little security guards. Yeah, and, she yeah, was I've, just volunteering do, and trying to do her job. Yeah, and uh, like ninety percent of them, they're just trying to not get yelled at by their boss. Yes. Whether that is you need to stand behind this line or no, you can't go behind here. Ninety nine percent of them, they're just trying not to get yelled at. So if you kind of show a little love, compassion, and kind of know what you're yeah. doing, most times they're like, great, we you know like. You know, that's the and great I thing of, about Ultra Four. We show up and we're like, "Hey, yeah, we got that. We're on that podcast." And everybody's yeah. like, "Yeah, we don't listen to podcasts, but that sounds cool." So, you <laughs> yeah, can, come on, you can put your pit right here in front of the Max's truck. We don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, and again, like uh, same thing, off road community. Like if you treat guys with respect, show a little love, yeah, you know, and kind of halfway know what you're talking about. Most of the time, you're okay. Like you know. Uh, again, I, I know that they take tech very serious with our sport as well as, you know, most of them out there. But like, if you see a card and you're like, Hey, I've never really seen that design before, but it looks legit. Like they're probably gonna take you serious versus like this hair call we made back in 1960. Like I'm like, sir, uh, that's not exactly kosher. You know, we appreciate your effort, but that's not going to work for us. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of like a little bit of common sense goes a long way too, but, uh, yeah, I, I again, we got in concerts. I've been, I've walked backstage at like hundreds of different types of events just because we just happen to just walk past at the right moment or with the right, again, half of them are like high school guys, like, you know, like, hey, yeah, you can't go that way. And we're like, all right, cool. We walk right by him and he's like, all right, what? Like, they don't care. Like, they're just it's, trying to get yelled at, you know? It's amazing what you can do with an orange safety vest. Oh, yes. Oh, Hopper yes. loves the orange yes. safety vest. Theory. You do whatever you want. If not even kidding. Yes. Was, what was the other thing you had? Was it a, a Clipboard? A clipboard or yeah. an iPad yes. with an orange safety vest. Yes. And then you, you and then you pretend like you're riding on it and you're not, but you just jot stuff down and people are like, Yep, you belong. The best thing I've ever seen someone do is they said either walking through the gate and the guy is getting up like from his little chair to tell him no. And the guy was on a cell phone pretending and he said, yeah. I'm on my way, I'll be right there. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, that kid sat back down, like, I'm not even gonna bother that man. Like yeah. he was like that kid was like, This guy is getting yelled at more than I am, so I'm gonna yeah. let that dude go right through. And we walked through and no one ever said a word. <laughs> I'm like, that sir, you have respect. Like now I'm we do music. have I'm, to uh we gotta throw a little shade at Liam O'Donnell. Yeah. Because yeah. that dude at every race is like, bracelet, gotta see your bracelet. Show me dude, your bracelet. He'll, he'll make you feel back three layers of race suit to check your bracelet. Yeah. He he kicked a dude out of the pits at Visions because he didn't have his bracelet. Are you serious? We're, we're just like, yeah. no, dude, we got him. We got him. And he's like, oh, yeah, you guys are good. But he is like, he is a bracelet like hound, man. Yeah. Now, granted, that's his job, but well, I'll say give with, him flack because that's with, what he's always doing. With Liam, I like Liam; he's a good dude. Uh, with him, particularly, I see him being a Nazi in that aspect because it's literally kind of his job. Like, yes, yeah. and most guys, I would say, majority of guys, he again, he was like at every rate, all ten races this year, like yeah. working around, making the rounds, shaking hands, kissing babies. So. At some point, if you're at all 10 races, he can walk by and be like, yeah, I know that guy. Like, I see yeah. it. Like, that's how I literally – I have probably a half a dozen people that I deal with on a regular basis 
in some form of business that I have that I have come to do business with them because they find that Ricky B. I literally got to know him because we just showed up at the same off-road expos or the same off-road events probably a dozen times a year for the first five years I was doing rock bouncing. We just kept meeting each other over and over and over at different events. Finally, he's like, dude, who, like, who are you? I'm like, hi, I'm Matt. I'm like, hey, you know, like just, just, I mean, we just kept bumping each other over and over. And we knew a lot of the same people, you know, you, you meet a lot of the same, but Ian Johnson, I got to know very well over the last decade, just because we go to the, I mean, expo after expo after expo or off-road show or you know and, and stuff like you know some there's some ones i go to like fab tech which i don't go to it all the time but it's a welding and fabrication show it's you know i since i own an off-road shop we do you know make we do a lot of tube chassis stuff or do a lot of fabrication stuff i mean i also get calls like hey my semi broke a mud flap off can you weld that back on i'm like yeah bring it by whatever you know like i do some repair stuff on trucks and trailers so um you know i do some fabrication so another buddy of mine uh ntk fab out of North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, a buddy of mine named Nick, uh, he does amazing, amazing fabrication. Uh, me and him and some other buddies, his went and got to bump into Ian there. And so you just meet people over and over and over. A trade show. You kind of learn like, okay, this guy is in the same place all the time. But he always seems like he's a big deal. Who, like, who is this guy? And that's how a lot of times I've made contacts. Um, and that's kind of how I sometimes tell people to treat sponsorships. When I talk to them about sponsorships, like, um, you know, you wouldn't walk up and ask a total stranger for $20. Like most people would like, Hey, any 20 bucks, they'd probably laugh in your face. But if you wouldn't ask a buddy for 20 bucks, he'd be like, all right, he'd probably make some joke about it was four and 20 bucks without even asking questions. Like that's how most people mm -hmm. should try to apply to sponsorships. You know, uh, now obviously that's a little harder. Sometimes you can't always be, you know, your best buddy with your sponsor potential, but you know, it's a lot easier if you're coming at somebody that you know, or you have a good relationship built already before you try easing into that sponsorship marketing partner phase versus just being like, Hey, you know, give me a hundred thousand. I need a race team, you know, like, you know, so it's, it's kind of interesting to see how some of those relationships evolve through different facets. And again, King of Hammers is a great place to meet people, but it's also like the world's worst people to meet people. Yeah. Cause usually no one's going to remember you. They've met 80,000 right. people this weekend. You know, yeah. I am sure that's, you know, with you guys, especially as well, you know, because you have a podcast that he'll hear you all the time and they're listening to you all the time. And, they see you at places like, again, this year was a great place to bump with you guys at um, um, the bike rally. It was super awesome to you know hang out and see you guys doing the podcast there. We drove up. I got to hang out for a little while and chat. And, and then we and then hopped in our smart car and took yeah. off. Um, epic. So smart epic. car. Again, hey, so if those of you go back and watch uh, the YouTube video, because it shows some of our smart sorry, convertible smart car shenanigans happening this year at Sturgis Bike Rally slash Ultra 4 Race. Um, <laughs> there was like seven of us that piled in it to go to town. And we drove to town, had dinner, goofed around for a while, came back, and it was a good time. Um, but those kind of things, you know, people hear your voice, and they see you on social media, and they see you on YouTube, and they come to you at King of Hammers, and they're like, hey, hey, I remember you, and you're like, thanks. And then you like six months yeah. later, they're like, yeah. you, you, like, you have no recollection, because you meet 80,000 people that weekend. And it's also kind of like a you know, like this drunken blur with loss of sleep and, you know, like yes. you're trying to figure out everything going on. Like, you know, so at the end of it, you're like, I think I remember you, but I don't like you come home with 4,000 friend requests, you know, like, yeah, yeah, these guys are cool. I'm pretty sure. I think I was trying to take selfies now and people are like, Oh yeah, I know this guy. I take a selfie. Cause then I get home and thanks goodness. Facebook will help me tag. Is this so-and-so? I'm like, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. You know? So that's, there's been times I've done that too. So that's kind of cool. Think, but, uh, for us, like that's totally the case. Like, Hammers is the big one, but like we started going to all the regional races and that's when it was like, Hey, I've seen this guy and they've seen us. And we just start talking to people and in the ultra four community, 
not I mean, dude, you, we all know Hammers is like a hundred times bigger than a regional race. Yes. If you show yeah, up at two or three regional races and you're a nice, cool guy, like you're easy to remember. Like, let's hang yes. out. Like, that's where I think like we saw some growth was just being a regular face at a regular race and not just I mean, I don't get me wrong, I love all the big names that come just to KOH and make it what it yeah. is, but those dudes ain't coming to Montana. You know, they should because Montana's a great race. One of the best. But they won't. <clears throat> and we'll be at Montana. And that's, yeah, I totally agree. Now, <clears throat> I will I will go back one, one conversation and go back to Liam. I'm pretty sure that when Liam sees us, he thinks, damn it. Those freaking guys found their way to another race. <laughs> and we're showing them our bracelet. Like, look, man, we got our bracelet. And he's like... <laughs> Somebody has got to put these guys on the blacklist. Like, how do they keep getting into these things? That's funny. How many how many regional races did you guys go to this year? Oh, let's see. So Hopper went to uh, Moab. I couldn't make it because of the calendar change. So I went to all of them. Moab. We went to. We did go to Montana this year, even yep. though it wasn't. It wasn't Ultra Four. It was Yellowstone Off Road. Yep. Um, so we did Montana. We did Visions. Yep. We did Sturges. We didn't go to Crandon, um, and then we went to Nationals. So does like six races, yeah. plus a couple other little things, like like you said, like kind of local stuff. Um, so, how, how many did you set up an actual podcast at? Uh, just Sturgis. Sturgis at Visions. We hung out in the media trailer with Miles yep. and, and Casey Gilbert and John Terhune, and we did something that exists somewhere on the internet. I don't, I don't remember cause it was their deal and they just kind of invited us in. Um, yeah. That was cool. But Sturgis was the only one because I'll be honest, I love doing the podcast and I love going to the races, but it's hard to do both at, at the same weekend. Right. It, it is. Um, you have to really dedicate it. And in visions at visions, we were also motor swapping our razor. Yeah. Uh, in, solid in yeah. Robin you just shop had had some free time and thought hey you yeah. know what yeah we had we had a little too much free time this weekend long story but short story is we swapped the engine at yeah. wow um our the guy that owns our car Joe Gould he drove <laughs> like we're on the way to Oklahoma and he is driving to Phoenix to pick up the new motor goes from Colorado to Phoenix back to Colorado, switches trailers, drives all the way to Oklahoma in like a day and a half. Yeah. And then once he gets there, we're like, hey, we need to do that now. That dude didn't sleep for like three days. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And that... Jason was cool. Jason and Gala were cool enough to let us do it in Jason's cooled shop with a lift. Yep. Oh, but yeah. It was like, ooh, this is a good story. I don't know if you've heard this. We were in there till like 4 a.m., so, like, you know where his shop is. They do the team yep. meetings and everything in yep. their beautiful facility. Yes. And uh, that was the night the concert was going on, like, right Be behind like us. behind you. Yeah. Yes. And so there were a few people coming in and out. Like uh, one or two or three. Yeah. And we would look at them, and they looked like they were supposed to be there. And they would look at us, <laughs> and we looked like we were supposed to be there, so no one said anything. And then uh, – it slowed down. Well, it it died. It was there was no people. Period. Like it was everybody just us. went to bed. It was, it was okay. and we're just like in our zone, 
zoned out, like not paying attention. And then 2 a.m., all of a sudden, we're like, holy crap, because all of a sudden, just music starts blaring. And we're all like looking around, and like 100 people come in and start a party. They set up a DJ booth, they hit oh, the yeah. lights. Yep, they're yep. drinking, they're playing music, and we're just like... So we're standing there like with wrenches and like greasy hands like, what the hell just happened? Because we're delirious, right? We've yes, been up all yes. night. And we're like trying to figure out, why is there a 300-pound shirtless dude dancing on yep. the table right next to us? And we finally, oh, yeah. someone walked over to us because no one even cared that we were in there. <laughs> no. If someone walks over no. and we're like, what is happening? And they're like... Oh, we're all the people that work here. And at yeah. two o'clock, the bar shuts. So yes. Robinette's let us come over here and carry the party on. And we're like, do they really know you're in here? And, oh, yeah. Then Joey, yeah. that comes yeah. in. And we're like, yep. well, yep. they must know because. Yeah. Yes, Joey's Joey. there. Yeah. yeah. And it was just like the craziest thing. At one point, I was on my back laying under the razor, tightening something up. And I'm looking, I'm watching. Things that we shouldn't even discuss on the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. Just like looking at Hopper, like, did that really just happen? Yeah. They probably, the concert got over, and they all went to Coconuts or like one of the bars yeah. around there. Yeah. Went to Coconuts, like behind the steakhouse, got dinner, ate, ate, ate some steak, ate some dinner. Oh, they have a, a cheese quesadilla, chicken quesadilla there that's incredible. They have chips and cheese. It's amazing. I eat it, I think every meal I'm there. And then right behind it is a new little bar, Coconuts. They'll hang yep. out there. Probably coconuts shut down, and mm. that's because that's two a.m. is probably the legal limit for that town. Yes. Yep. So legally, you have to shut that bar down too. But Jason's is that's his garage, so he's probably again for legal purposes his garage. People can hang out in his garage all hours of the night, and again, I'm sure there's no you know curfew for sound in his yeah. garage. <clears throat> so people doing oh. the, the post party down, and again, it's I'm sure it's Joey and Trip and a handful of the guys that are you know. Being being brave little soldiers partying the night away, and again, like once you get a hundred people together partying, people are gonna party, especially yeah, if you have yeah. to be up early the next day. So you know? we uh, we walk out the back door because we're getting ready to drive the car out, and Joe is trying to get into his razor, but there's like a girl kind of standing between his razor <laughs> and the wall, blocking the door. So he's just kind of like, "Oh, excuse me," and this poor girl was bent over, just barfing oh, her man. guts out. And yeah, he's just like, man, what like this can't this isn't health. Like, what do we do? And she's just yeah. like, Oh man, I can't remember what she said. She said something <laughs> really hilarious. funny. And it was just like, Well, you need to go home. And she's like, Nope, I'll be nope, fine. I'm going, I'm, I'm good. I'm going back. Yeah, here. the party's not over. And oh like man, walking around her barf. And like when we got <laughs> the car started okay. up at 4 a.m., we're driving it out, and I said, Joe. You got to hit the race siren, man, because it's a cop siren. And we oh, got to yeah. watch all oh, these yeah. Oklahoma rednecks flee. He yeah. hits the siren and they all just look at us and just turn back around. No <laughs> one even cared. Yeah. The cops could have potentially been there. <laughs> yeah, nobody cared. It's like we're, we're all we're all on site. It's OK. We can walk yeah. to our camper. That's the thing oh, about visions. Yeah. Like you're 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 100 feet from your camper. It's not a big deal. Whatever. You know, I was not a hundred feet, man. I was camped all the way in the new campground in the back by the pit bike course. Okay, yeah, I had wow. to go all the way around. Way, yeah, way over there. Yeah, uh, you by Miller. There was some Miller was over there, wasn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. <clears throat> there was. I know. I drove over there at some point and kind of drove around to see who was camped over there. And kinda, I was like looking at camper setups and trailer setups. That's one thing. Like 
I just love to do it, especially at KOH, you know, drive around and be like, okay, how do you, because a lot of guys, you know, most off-road racers have a truck and an enclosed trailer, longer enclosed trailer, and they have set up their enclosed trailer with living quarters. And I always love seeing how their living quarters set up in the garage and how that all converts and what they do and what tools they use and how they mount everything. Like that to me is kind of fascinating just to see all their setups and what tools you bring and, you know, how, like I've seen some very cool custom setups of how they, you know, everything assembles and tears down and it's, it's pretty fascinating. Oh, it's uh, depressing, man, because I always think I'll never be able to afford a semi truck. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I'm oh. talking about like a pickup truck and a, in like an enclosed trailer, but there are, there, there are a handful of teams that do. I mean, like, so I was watching uh, Lauren and Vaughn load stuff up at visions this oh, year yeah. and I was like, and I was just like, wow, like, and there's like 20 dudes there, like loading and unloading and set. Well, up. yeah, let's be clear. Lauren and Vaughn probably weren't loading anything. No, their no. guys were loading it. But no, those, they were those over dudes run a program like their guys they work for them. They show up at Sturgis, set everything up, tear everything down. Oh, I mean, yeah. They're they got it down for sure. That's a beautiful like, setup. I think Vaughn has like three full time media people like. Like it's, it's pretty insane, the kind of program, but again, like I said, when you get to that kind of level, I mean, if Ford is backing you, Ford expects you to have that kind of media program because they want the content for all their yeah. other stuff, you know, whether it be a two second clip in some kind of a commercial for a pickup truck or whether it be, you know, an all out off-road video promoting the Bronco, you know, whatever it is, Ford needs that content that you kind of sell. So, I mean, when you're running that kind of that caliber of a program, you have to have like, you know, media people and you have to have mechanics and you have to have trail guys, you have to have truck drivers to drive all the semis there because Ford wants a booth set up. And, yeah. you know, I, and I totally get that, you know, and then like, well, like and you, you show up and it, it really helps that guys like Vaughn and Shannon Campbell and Paul Wolf, like you can just walk up and talk to these guys. The oh, reason, yeah. Yeah. part of the reason they're successful is because they are really nice, genuine guys. Well, they're I, not going to tell you all their secrets, but they will yeah. like have a conversation with you. So Paul and me I go kind of way back. He started out doing side-by-sides with the Southern Rock Racing Series. So he raced for four or five years with us, and I got to know him very well because me and him are the only two guys from Illinois that race in the National Rock Racing Association. So he races side-by-sides. I race a big bouncer. So we've got to know each other very well through that. Again, like I said, I've been to his house before. I mean, I left a suitcase one time and he brought it home for me. So uh, me and Paul are pretty good friends. We know each other quite a while. And again, like I said, we're the only two guys from Illinois. So we try to show a lot of love when we can. Uh, Shannon Campbell is probably one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet ever in life. Uh, I have been in it. The first time I met the guy, first time I ever met him was at King of Hammers. I walk in his pit just to meet him and shake his hand, maybe have him sign my shirt, you know, nerd out. And he's like, hey, what's up, buddy? He's like, hey, we're cooking steak. You want one? You want a beer? I had been yeah. in his camp two minutes probably. And the guy offered me steak and a beer. And I'm like, did we just become best friends? Like, is this what's going on? <laughs> like, you know, and then I find out, like, no, he's that cool with everybody. Like, if you yeah. come to his camp, he's going to offer you a beer, some snacks. Or if they're cooking out, hey, you want to get there? You have cheeseburgers. You want one? I'm like, like, you don't even know me. And I just thought that the, was uh, so neat that, that you know, that the guy that's a three-time King of Hammers champion would be offering me a steak yeah. and a beer, you know? like The first time I ever met Shannon – uh, was my first time at Hammers, and I didn't know anybody. I didn't know who was who, and I was with my buddy Chase uh, from Hypoxic up in Laramie, and we're standing in the UTV tech line, and Shannon walks by, and I knew just from the night before that Chase is a little bit of a Shannon Campbell fanboy. So he walks by, and Chase goes, hey, Shannon, how's your week going? And he's got a – I've heard this story from 100 other people. He's got a part in his hand, and he stops, and he – 
oh, it's pretty good. How are you guys doing? Your <laughs> Is your week going good? And we're like, yeah, man, we're just out here having fun. A two-minute conversation, and he keeps walking. And so I asked Chase, I'm like, do you know him? And he was like, nope, first time I nope. ever talked to him. And we were just like, I was like, dude, you guys were having a conversation. Like, you go on vacation together. Yeah. And, and everybody has hand. that story. Yeah. And that part in his hand, he needs to make his car run. So he stopped to take two minutes to talk yeah. to you. Just to, hey, how you been? What's up? And that part he has to go find to get his car going for the next day or later that day or whatever. Like, so the, that two minutes is even more valuable to him, yeah. you know, so than like we, me. Who, the other Campbell story we have is that when we were at Crossbar at Nationals in 21, mm -hmm. we broke a drive shaft. We have a custom size drive shaft on our UTV, on our Razor. And we broke it between qualifying and racing. And Joe walked over to the Campbell trailer and he said, can somebody weld this? And Joe was like, he didn't really know who anybody was. And they kept calling this kid Junior. And Junior welded the drive shaft and he came back and he was like, I think it was Waylon. I think it was Shannon's son. And we were like, yeah, probably was. And he was like, dude, just stopped what he was doing and said, here, yeah, I can weld that, put it together, welded it up, and we were racing. I mean, Waylon's the same way. Like, yeah, man, I'll, I, I got the stuff right here in the trailer. Just bring oh, yeah. it by. I mean, and they're, they are some welding fools. And so we still run. Well, no, that drive shaft's in the trailer. That's yeah. our backup. But we still have, we should get Waylon to sign that when we're yes, at KOH. I agree. That would be cool. Get a, Give him a picture of like him holding it and like, yeah. have him sign it. Like, yeah, yeah that, that's, that to me. And again, like Shannon, like I've heard from many, many people that like that dude would be like, uh, you'll go to lunch. You'll come back and be like, yeah, here's a chassis. I whipped this up while you guys were at lunch. Like, here, I, I made this, I, made, I wanted a cooler holder to look kind of neat. It has all these intricate brackets on it. That's a cooler holder, but it also has, koozies on the side that mount in like recess in but they flip out of the way when you're not racing like like i whipped it up while you guys were at lunch like okay and it looks like it's all tig welded for instagram like yeah okay yeah sure thing like okay i don't know yeah. if we can talk about shannon's instagram on this show well, yeah we, we could i mean it is it's yeah uh yeah he he he's kind of crazy he can be i i've been places and party with him and he can get real wild uh god real real him. wild god bless yeah him. he's a real, a real american he, yeah, he's he's a good dude. I like, and, and the thing is, I think he's the same dude on Tuesday morning talking to a sponsor as he is on Saturday night at the party. Same guy, you know, race car, not race car. Now, obviously, once the visor goes down, I think, you know, the you know the visor drops, the BS stops. You know, I think he's kind of that way. He, he, I mean, we've all seen him, like, he ran over, like, Wayland to get ahead of him <laughs> to win King of Hammers. Okay? Uh, that's like, just a good dad right there. Like, like he, he told him, like, I'll put him in a wall. I don't care. I'm here to race, you know, like, you know, like he, you know, I'd wreck my mama. Yeah. I think he would. I think he would like, you know, once the race is over, like he'll come console you, tell you how much he loves you, but why yeah. the visor is down. It is go time. Like we're here to win. Like, you know, I'm here to make friends. I'm here to win, you know, like, so I, I, I like Shane a lot. I think he's a great guy. And again, I think that the guy that's that type of tier person, you know, the fact that he would stop and talk to you guys with a partner's hand for two minutes, like, Hey, what's up? Yeah. Been? Yeah. You know, that kind of shows how great the off-road community is versus oh, it's some just of the full other. of those. It's full of those. Yeah, yeah totally. And, and again, every year at KOH, I get home and see like, you know, pages of stories of some dude that's a pro dude stopping to help a guy that's broke on the trail or, you know, a, a, a pro guy giving a, a part to it. Like, I'm broke in the race. I can't finish. Motor's blown. Oh, you need a drive shaft here? Just take mine. Yeah. Well, good. good luck. Yeah. Hope we'll you hope, figure hope it you out. It. 
you know, like, so, I mean, or, you know, jogging to get fuel or all, you know, there's all kinds of cool stories that, you know, uh, you hear stuff, you know, kind of going through at KOH and different stuff. So, and it's, it's really neat to be able to kind of, you know, come back, talk about those, you know, with the buddies and when I put them in magazines or talk about them online, you know, get sh- you know, shows like this is awesome because again, it helps, helps kind of talk about those and it hopefully, hopefully will bring new people in the sport or help kind of solidify some people mm-hmm. who are, you know, kind of sets a great example for people coming into the sport, you know, whether it be putting a cheap low budget race team or somebody that has a race team, they're trying to strive for that top spot kind of helps them evolve a little bit and kind of help them kind of bring things together, you know? So that's well, what we, kind of- we talked about that earlier today. Like I told you, like in our world, like we all kind of know each other, but we don't really know anything about each other, you know, yeah. we see each other at these races and we're hanging out and we know we like to all hang out, but like, you know, you're a volunteer firefighter. Didn't know yes. that. Yes. Now we know that like, it's that's what we love to bring out because everybody's got a story. Now, what we found is that a lot of people's story is the same, right? It I is. got a Jeep. I started wheeling. I wanted to go racing. I went to King of Hammers and peed my pants. And now I loved it. And now I'm broke for the rest of my yeah, life forever. Um, that's yeah. like the general story, but it's just fun to hear everybody's background, like where they're from. You know, it's just, everybody's got a little bit of a different journey. Uh, yeah. Well, like I said, we talked about that this morning because I know who you are. You yeah. kind of knew who we were, but like that was the extent. Now we've got this thing on the internet. Hopper, you know, he has this YouTube channel, and if nothing I, I, else, we always tease him. At least your daughters will be able to watch this YouTube footage twenty years from now and be like, "Man, our dad was a really weird dude." Yeah, yeah or, or or he can watch it twenty years and be like, "Man, that was a really great look. Good look at me back then." You know, I've aged yeah. a lot in twenty years. Yeah. Boy. I, uh, it is, it is kind of funny. You really get to know a lot of people through, you know, spending time around the campfire and hanging out with them at, you know, different races and different off-road events or even doing, like I said, I don't get a rec wheel as much as I used to. Um, I also teach at a community college. I teach automotive classes, usually one class in the spring and one class in the fall. Uh, so my week, usually Monday through Thursday between the shop and teaching community college and doing, you know, kind of cool stuff like this. Um, through social media and marketing, I, I'm usually Monday through Thursday pretty busy. And then obviously weekends we're always somewhere racing or doing some kind of off-road event. I don't have a ton of free time to go out wreck wheeling and sit on the campfire and goof off as much as I used to. And and it kind of sucks, but it's kind of cool because I get a cool opportunities to do other stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of stinks. So there's uh, on a the far and few between weekends I do get a wreck wheel. I, I usually love it, just going out, hanging out, talking to guys learning oh yeah no that's so crazy that I, me too like that's y'all you run oh you run this oh wait me too and this is the problem i was having and how did you fix that you know and i've a lot of that's what a lot of guys at koh or any kind of racing you know whether it be rock bouncing whether it be you know desert you know whatever you know K, like side by sides especially because they're all built exactly the same when you see ten thousand side by sides in a row and they all have the same problem it's neat to see those guys kind of get together and how'd you fix this oh we did this or you know, then there's a pro- company comes out in the product to fix it, or usually guys get together and talk to a company. And go, hey, can you make this part for us? You know, mm-hmm. RCB, a perfect example. They started out making random other parts. There's a company that sponsored me. It's called Steinjaeger. They make um, like manufacture uh, parts here in Illinois for all kinds of industrial applications for Caterpillar and for John Deere, and they make all kinds of weird parts. And they started making Jeep parts, and now they make rock bouncer parts. And mm-hmm. you know, I worked with them before on like Heim joints and stuff. And so. 
you know, it's kind of neat to see those guys kind of get together and kind of have that, that same knowledge that kind of shares. And, it, and we find out, Oh, you run this kind of heim joint. Oh, that's what I run. And we, and whether you race, you know, desert or whether you race rock bouncers or, you know, ultra four car, it's all the same high joint, same size, inch to three quarters, inch to you know, inch to quarter, inch to quarter, no matter what it goes on. Yes. So, and again, safety stuff, you know, we've kind of all slowly started to kind of mix. Everybody kind of opens each other's rule books and goes, Oh, Hey, well, ultra four does this, or, you know, the national rock racing association does this, or, you know, or, you know, desert racing, you know, score or, you know, Baja, whatever, you know, whoever it is you're looking at, you know, you know, mint 400, Oh, they do this, you know? And so you kind of start looking at everybody's different rules. You guys talked a little bit about, you know, um, Texplex, you know, Hey, what were they, you know, they did this, you know, so it's, there's some different things you can kind of look at kind of every kind of compares. And then we start looking at even circle track and we kind of look at, Oh, circle track does this. Maybe that's a little safer than what we have in our rule book. So, that thing is, it's, you know, again, I mentioned the internet invention of, you know, people having meetings and some of the meetings that go on at the big, at the big conferences like SEMA and the PRI show, they all kind of have started to get smarter and kind of put, you know, round table discussions happening and it, and it works out really nice. And usually everybody benefits from it. So, hmm. but yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like I said, I like it and it works out pretty good. Um, Dude, you're, I, you're all over the place, man. You got your fingers and hands and all kinds of stuff. I mean, and I do. knew that, but like. I don't think anybody realized how much of a hustle hustler you are, man. Yeah. I'm tired yeah. just hearing about it. <laughs> yes. Like I can't imagine going to 42 events in one year. Yeah. What's like I said, some of the, not all those are what I would call race events. Some of those are like PRI show. I uh, go we to, got to go to PRI next year. If man. you, if you have never been, you need to go. I So SEMA is SEMA owns the PRI show performance race industry show. SEMA, in my opinion, is cool to go to and everybody should go to at least once. Cause it's a really neat car show. That's my take on SEMA. It's a really awesome car show. It's like everything has big rims and big stereo and the super neat, you know, if it's, if it's a Vegas. car, it's you're in Vegas, which there's all kinds of festivities you can go out to. Yeah. And I, I like going to SEMA show. I go to it every so often. It's neat. It's fun. There are a lot of big wigs there. People spend a lot of money there and it's neat. Don't get me wrong. It is neat. But PRI show performance racing industry show is a racer show for racers like by racers yeah. and all the companies that sell race parts are there whereas sema show is more of like a really cool car show like yeah. you want to see big rims and big speakers you know big speakers and bluetooth drive shafts yeah. like, go to the sema show <laughs> go to the sema show okay um I, I live for the SEMA fails. I live for them. Like, Dude, like guys, some, like some of the best Facebook pages are SEMA fail pages. It right? is. And again, I, I, I can't knock on them too much. Cause again, those dudes are like <clears throat> a dollar and a dream and their car is on the SEMA show. So yeah. mine is not that, you, yeah. you know, mine isn't, so I can't hate, but it is kind yeah. of fun to see like how things are welded or assembled or like unique ways of like, and again, to a hard, to, to a 99% of people, they would, my mom would have no clue. My mom yeah. would not have a clue what is wrong with that vehicle with walking around it for 10 minutes. I, a hundred yards away, I'm like, well, first of all, it's two wheel drive. Uh, yeah. and it's, and it's not the rear, it's the front two wheel drive. The rear is disconnected to the front ones, you know, like, like, uh, you know, so it's it, it, like, obviously, I like to kind of poke fun at him and tease at him, but it's only a hardcore guy that could really notice that. It's, you know, 90% of people, they wouldn't have a clue. They'd be like, oh, it's a pretty truck, you know. It's yeah. got custom painted bar thingies on the bottom. That's neat. And they'd walk on past it, you know? So I like the SEMA show. It's a neat thing. They do a lot with the RPM act and there's tons of cool stuff coming out of the SEMA show. Um, again, the, the, the show itself is very neat to go to. The after hours is great. Uh, 
for anybody looking to do any kind of marketing, it's a great place to kind of great way to shake hands with babies. You're not, you're not probably going to sign a deal there, but it's a great way to kind of just put a name with a face. A lot of times, uh, lots and lots of deals happen outside of the show, like at dinner. Uh, I've had uh, way more, way more transactions happen at dinner, uh, whether it be a PR show or mark a SEMA show or a trade show, you know, dinner, dinner, steak dinners are where hand get handshakes get happening. And, and that's where deals happen. Uh, versus on a trade room show floor because most time when you walk up and you have your little special crafted you know draft or whatever it is um, deck or whatever it is they're gonna go oh that's neat and they're gonna throw it in the trash because yeah. I'm a hired person like if it's a hot chick like <laughs> she's hired for that show she's eye candy like you can go to uh, pages um, like Craigslist and you can find you know there's ads for tradespeople and it's somebody that looks attractive in this outfit and hands out business cards they're, I mean like, that sounds like Hopper. Right I think here. I think maybe you, that's you know you need to be looking at. Man. Sign me up. Put your American you know, European shorts on and do you your know, thing. It it is, uh, but unfortunately, those aren't the people that are going to make the decision on whether you're going to sponsor a or not. So <laughs> somebody's uh, going to pay for it, but it ain't and, the right people. And I have done that. I've been I have done that just as much as the, the next guy. So like, there's things I learned along the way. Like, oh, that was a really dumb idea. Once I find out, you know, you kind of see behind the curtain and you go, oh wow, that's totally different. So. Um, you know, there's some kind of cool stuff to go PRI show. I really, really like, cause it's a lot of race car stuff, uh, for race car people by race car people. You yeah. know, if you're talking to the guys, you know, whether it be a fuel management system or whether it be, you know, a new kind of parachute, you know, obviously it's a Midwest. There's lots of dirt track. There's lots of drag racing. Um, this year there was a round table discussion about possibly having a off-road section next year lined out just for off-road section. Uh, Kind of like the SEMA show. The SEMA shows has sections. There's a tire section. There's a stereo section. There's a rim section. Um, that's kind of how the SEMA show is starting to divide out the sections. You know, now obviously, where do you put like VP racing fuel? Because you know, it takes three VP racing fuel. Everything. Like yeah. you know, it takes you know, like Odyssey battery. I run Odyssey batteries. You know, it takes an Odyssey battery. Everything. I don't care whether you race a go kart or a you know jet boat. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, they all everything in between. They all take a battery. Everybody has to have a battery. They have to have a seat. Everybody has to have seat belts. So some products are kind of applicable to matter. If you're a seatbelt manufacturer, you everybody that comes in your booth needs a seatbelt. You know, I don't care what you race, you're going to need a seatbelt unless it's a, like a drag crotch rocket or something. You know, then every you know he's the exception rule. But you know, uh, so keep that in mind when you're going there. There's a lot of people are going to talk to. You. Make sure you have your questions ready to go. Like, hey, I have questions about this, this. If very technical, because sometimes you might be talking to the tech advisor that's over all tech advisors and he can answer your exact question. Uh, you know, that being said, it could be a sales guy and has like, I don't know, here's a tech number, call that guy. Yeah. But usually I do have some tech people there, uh, which is really handy to talk to because I've gotten a couple of business cards that I've remained friends with and called those companies three to five times a year when I'm like, I'm going to race and it's 10 o'clock at night and I have this dude's cell phone. I'm calling him and be like, hey, you know, your fuel injector, I have a problem with it. Something's not working right. Or maybe it's a fuel management system or maybe it's this or that, you know. And that's really, really valuable to me more than a sponsorship. I have a con I contact yeah, darn near 365 days a year on a Saturday. If I want to race, I have a problem. I can contact them. Hey, this fuel management system isn't doing what I need it to do. How do I fix this? And sometimes it's a very easy fix because I'm an idiot and forgot to plug in a O2 sensor or something. But it could be something very complicated. And he can walk me through that. You know, so there are some really nice benefits to going to PRI versus going to SEMA show or just any other racing trade show. Um, and I love PRI. I'm in Illinois, so. Central Illinois to Indianapolis is like a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour jog. Thanks. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's a two-hour jog if you're driving quick. Um, so I can be you know, at my hotel in an hour and 59 minutes 
And then it's, you know, two minute drive or a two minute walk, depending where I stay at, you know, what hotels you stay at, you can stay at downtown and just walk to the convention center. Um, convention center is huge. You won't cover it all in a day if you're walking fast. And then they have the Lucas Oil Stadium, which is sponsored by Forrest Lucas and the Lucas Oil crew. They have drag cars hanging from it, and there's all kinds of cool stuff. They have charity auctions at nighttime. They have after parties at nighttime. Um, there's some really, really neat stuff to go to. Uh, I, I, I love PRI Show. I help people go to it all the time. And it's neat to go to. Go to it once. If you hate it, not your cup of tea, whatever, then you don't have to go back. But usually once you go once, you're like, wow, that's a really good show. You know, if you're and doing – it's a good time of the year, right? It's December. That's a beauty of it. December like, off season. The problem like with this, SEMA is like I'm not I'm not gonna name names and and make any big bomb drop any big bombs here, but we're potentially going to the Baja 1000 next year yep. with some guys. Yep. And it's really gonna be tough for us to take 10 days off to do Baja and then also go to SEMA in the same like kind of small time frame. Like within like the same week and a half. Yeah. 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 My uh, wife and, and my boss would kill me if I did. tried to pull both of those. Yeah. So it is, it is, you know, kind of scheduling conflicts, which, you know, a lot of people have, again, depending on what, and again, if you're doing pre-running and stuff or I don't remember if it's, oh, is it before, it. Is, it's either before or after. I can't, I can't remember which, because I remember this year it was kind of a scheduling conflict. Terry Madden, I think was like, yeah, I got to go there. We were at, we were at finals, I think. And he's like, I got to leave here, yep. fly yep. here today. He goes, because he was leaving like a day early, I think from finals. It was like, I, cause I drove him in the rock bouncer at one point to somewhere. And he's like, I literally have to hop, leave here, drive straight to airports. I think the Robin S were flying him to California. He was getting on flying to California, drop him off. He had like a vent there, do day or two there. And I think after that, I think after that is he had to head to Baja, I think. Cause he's like, I have like three days and three events or, you know, four days and three events I have to do. Like he was something crazy or something like that. It was bananas. Cause he had like, a, and he was like a, like a press release or a photo shoot or something he like couldn't be late for. He's like, I gotta go. Like it was kind of funny, but um, just because well, like, Brad Lovell this year missed the uh, same. He didn't same. get to take his trophy. You know, the guy won the championship and he just couldn't make it because he was getting inducted into the off road Hall of Fame. Pretty good excuse. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Trick or treating in Disney. Um, yeah, but yeah, he he jetted like as soon as his race was over and pretty understandable. But yeah, yeah. And then he was remember- in Baja too. Yeah. So yeah, again, it kind of stinks. You have that. Like PRI is in December. It's like James, uh, December 3rd to the 5th, I think something like it's like usually like that first weekend. It was right after we were on our vacation. Yep. And it was, it's really great. Cause again, it's like Wednesday yeah, night kind of starts. Friday. Yeah. And I think it's, it's realistically it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Saturday was kind of when everybody starts heading home Saturday okay. afternoon. Everybody's kind of packing up heading home. Uh, it used to be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it just worked better for, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, and it, again, like I said, a lot of people fly in Wednesday afternoon, get there and kind of goof around Wednesday night. And then, you know, you know Thursday, Friday, and then everybody kind of flies home Saturday, Saturday afternoon sometime. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, a lot of guys go out. So you have all these racing people who are all, most of them own or work, you know, work for companies and then they all go out at nighttime and it's a great time. It's amazing time to network. Um, not so much for sponsorship parts. I mean, that's great. You can also do that. Uh, but it's more a great time just to network for, hey, I need this. Or, hey, have you ever had this problem? Or, hey, do you know this guy owns this company? And I've literally been at dinner before. And it's like, um, you know, like they going around the table and it's like, this guy owns, you know, oh, here's a CEO of Ford. Oh, here's a CEO of Firestone. Here's a CEO, you know, for Mr. Forrest Lucas. And it's like, like you go around the table and it's all just like all these big guys. And like, these are all guys, really good handy guys to know in case I needed something, you know, whether I needed a tech support or whether I needed, oh, I need a tire and I'm broke down, 
in Missouri. Like they know a guy in that town or they knew a guy who knows a guy, you know? So it's, it's a really great time. And again, it's a lot of racer people. So it's a lot of like-minded people that get the whole, like sometimes, you know, selling a product at a loss still will regain you millions of dollars later down the road. If that person, you know, wins a race with it, or if that person tells a bunch of people, you know, you can make, you can, in this $2 part, you're going to give a guy away for free, you know, make pay dividends of millions of dollars a year in years to come, you know, which is why all those companies show up, you know? So I love the PRI show mainly because it's close, but it's also a great way to, you know, go and goof off. And I have a lot, some friends that come once every five years, some friends come once every three years. I know a lot of guys who come every year just because it's a great way. Luke, um, uh, Eric Miller bought hit one of his cars over this year and put it in there. It, I think he had talked to me like, yeah, he's like, what are my sponsors? So you got to put a cart. He goes, he ended up, they ended up originally going to put it in like one of the hallways. They put it in like a meeting room where there was like a huge meeting room and like tons of meetings and like broadcasts went off that weekend. And there was like tons of people like, he's like, I couldn't have paid to have a better spot for my car. Yeah. So it was, you know, kind of neat. I got to talk to him a little bit and it looked great spot for the car too, by the way. Um, and again, we talked a little bit about doing some off-road, like an off-road area next year for like off-road. And again, it was more just a roundtable discussion with, you know, trying to get some, I mean, would it be beneficial? Because obviously off-road and in racers' mind, they're starting to look at off-road as like, hey, this off-road thing's kind of blowing up. And we're like, and it's all, like a bunch of off-road people in this meeting. We're like, yes, it is blowing up. Like, can you please help us? Because with, you know, the mention of the side-by-side, you know, anybody with a 650 credit score can now be a side-by-side racer. So it's absolutely but, true. Yep. So I love digging side-by-side guys that are really good. Um, Mr. Justin Battleaxe Jones is a good guy. Like, like just, I beat on him quite a oh, bit. He's about, a you know, funny guy. I love watching he, he is a wild man with a heart of gold. Like that dude is a great, great dude. Um, I think the world of him. And I love giving him our time. Like, oh man, you race side by sides? That's no way. I have a 650 grand score too. You know, only because, <laughs> and only, only because his side by side is like, you know, a $350,000 side by side. Oh, like, yeah. He doesn't have just like I because I like teasing him and he's a great guy. I really honor you got to tease to it. So, um, you know, it, you know, obviously this whole side by side thing is taken off, which means the aftermarket market is supporting it. And so, you know, and obviously with, you know, kind of the Arab you know, SEMA show, they talk a about the RPM Act with now a lot of cracking down on emissions. You know, side by sides are off road. There really is no current rules for emissions for off road use, you know, like, you know, drag strips and, you know, all the stuff is becoming very emissions friendly, blah, blah, blah. So it's, you know, with off-road, there's kind of, you're an open gate. Like we're doing an off-road. There's not really any restrictions right now, thankfully. Hopefully it stays that way. But, you know, so a lot of companies are going, hey, we can go over here and there's no issues where if we do a drag strip and we make a, a tuning software, now we can get in trouble and get a big penalty for the government, and et cetera. And yeah. there's kind of been some headaches that have kind of, I've, you know, people are starting to kind of potentially see headaches where off-road, like nobody cares about rock bouncers out bouncing around in the woods. Like nobody's in a, there's no government official with a clipboard out there. So like we can make tuning so- software you know, for days. Years ago when I was working at the Polaris shop, you know, we'd go to the dealer show and we'd get to rub elbows with all the execs from Polaris and ask them questions. And we would, when the, when the Razor 1000 came out, we were just like, all right, you know, when are, what, when are you going to make this street legal? When are you going to take the next few steps so we can really start having some leverage to drive these on roads? And I just remember the big wigs at Polaris were like, we will never do that. Like if you can get it passed on a local level, good for you. Yes, we have no interest in jumping through those hoops. Oh, I um, can only imagine. Not our business. Not what we want to do. Good for you if you want to do it for us. But like, they were like, we we try to be, you know, we they yep. got mufflers and the decibel levels and all that. Yep. 
but they are like, we are not ever going to go through the process of going through safety and the government like, crash we, testing, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Oh, they were like, we, we make money right now. We don't want to yeah. lose money. And yeah. that's, that's and, what we're and, not going to do. And what's funny is not uh, like only have local areas started to adopt them. I mean, my hometown, um, I live in Decatur, Illinois on the edge, kind of on the edge of town where like Long Creek Township is kind of where I live. And then there's Mount Zion, a small little town. Most of the small towns around my area have all basically like made it legal to drive on road because because they're becoming so popular, you know. And usually what happens is one of the council members has a kid who wants to ride around one and they go buy one. And it's all street level anyway. It's turn signals and headlights and taillights and like. Well, heck, I can drive this on the road. Well, Billy has a golf cart. He drives it on the road. So now they pass a rule or a law or registration. You yeah. got to pay like 65 bucks for a year registration. And now you can drive on the road like within certain – usually it's like sun up, sun down. But then you also have, to have headlights and taillights. As long as it's like road legal and you have – I think uh, Mount Zion, you have to have an orange triangle on the back of it as well. But as long ah, as you meet like classic Midwest, right? yeah, like as long as it meets like yeah, as long as like it meets basic criteria, like you're fine. And it's I, I I do not know one person isn't like stoked to be like yes for sixty five dollars take my money I can drive it on the road yeah. because we have to put places a wheel around here that are like local spots that are like smaller a couple guys who own property we can take them down wheel them wheel them all night and have a good time um, Jason Robinette uh, the uh, state of Ohio or the state of Oklahoma came in and talked to him and we're like hey the governor was like hey you're doing big things we you know you know you bought disney or not bought disney but he signed like a hundred year lease for the, the ground down at disney and they're like how can we help you like they had a big day and they had a bunch of people came in and the governor came in he's like how can we help make this better and make this more profitable and make this work for you and he's like well you can make these things legal and literally like four four days later it was like done it was like the you can go to like any dmv and buy the sticker there's like some local places in and um, near the park, you can go like buy the sticker. It's like 10 bucks for the weekend or 15 bucks for the weekend or like 35 bucks for the year. And now you're legal to drive your side by side on the road. Like, and that happened like four days. Like it was bananas to know that like the entire state of Oklahoma is that way now. Like awesome for them. That's so, so great. And again, kind of like you laugh a little bit, kind of, kind of in the Midwestern thing, you know, like, Hey, yeah, we're going to drive these on the road now. Awesome. And to me, it's kind of neat. Obviously you wouldn't want to see one on that on the interstate ripping. Right, um, correct. You Not know, advocating for that whatsoever. Yes, but like <laughs> local driving down the road or, you know, again, at Disney, it's great because Disney's always kind of cracked down on on-road transportation. Mm -hmm. You have to be legal. Now, the cool part about Disney, and Disney, Oklahoma, because they have a huge place to wheel, um, the 10, 15 feet of the side of the road is completely legal. And you can see the grass is worn down now. It's gravel pretty much all the way from the park to all of the – um, local campgrounds is gravel on the sides of the road. So you can drive them. You just can't drive them on the road road. Uh, and then obviously during, during, you know, visions and during um, uh, finals, they were pretty lenient because there's a lot of times I had my rock balancer on the road and they didn't really heckle me too much. Um, you know, because one time I actually pulled up to a stop sign, like drove through, like drove right through the stop sign, turn on the road, drive on the road. And the cop like pulled up, like kind of waved me and I pulled over. I was like, Hey, what's up? And it was the very last night we had just finished all the after parties. It was like, kind of cold, kind of quiet. And I was headed back, going to park it and then camp. And the next morning, getting up early and heading back. And he's like, Hey, yeah. He's like, Hey, by the way, that's a stop sign on there. I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. And he's like, yeah, the one you didn't stop at. I look back. I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm, oh my God, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. And he's like, yeah, you just drove right through it. Like 30 mile an hour. I'm like, my bad. I, I said, I'm so sorry. I felt so bad. And he's like, yeah, just be careful next time. I'm like, well, I said, I'm leaving to go tomorrow, but I promise next year I'll remember it. He's like, yeah, you do that. Look how I giggled. Like, yeah, right. Sure. You will. 
I was like, no, I, I felt so bad, but he was really cool about it. He's like, you know, he totally understood that, you know, like, you know, all of us try, I mean, when we're trying to be, you know, all, on the road, on the race course, obviously there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to be safe. It's, you know, we're out full tilt, wide open, but on the road during the daytime, we try to be, you know, as respectful as possible. And it's kind of neat to see side-by-sides come along that way. So they're trying to work at the PRI show to make more of an off-road area and do some more cool off-road stuff. So I think you'll see some more of that coming next yeah. year, especially with, you know, Jason Robinette getting involved and, you know, Clyde was the meeting. We had some racers there. We had some potential big sponsors there. A couple of big off-road companies were there. It was really, really neat to see the sport and be like, yeah, this is like, cause off-road racing kind of doesn't like, it's kind of weird, kind of has some niche, some niche markets, but yet we use a lot of the same products that are on the showroom floor. And we deal with those guys as much as anybody dirt track or drag racing or whatever. So uh, that part's kind of neat. And I think some people like to see it too. Like you can only see so many circle track cars where you're like, okay, this is boring, you know? So when you do walk in a booth, you see a jacked up side by side or, well, like you, know, you said, uh, they can go to their local Polaris dealer and probably buy that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So As opposed to like your rock bouncer where it's like, no, I'd have to build that. And I don't know how to do yeah. that. Uh, you get, yeah. I mean, we're in Colorado, right? We, <laughs> We got a lot of people driving side by sides around that yeah. probably shouldn't even be driving minivans around. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's just a very applicable way for these people to get involved. It's simple. It's oh, cheap, huge! Relatively, uh, it's not cheap, but they don't know that yet, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a big market. I mean, obviously, we're here. Like, we're a little tiny speck in that market, but. Man, we race the things, and they they are very capable machines too. Like you forget that sometimes they are. It's it's pretty incredible uh, to see what the side by side guys are doing with the side by sides, and, and rock bouncing world, uh, as well as ultra four. Uh, because I've seen I've seen rock bouncers like do courses, and I've seen a side by side come over around and do it almost just as fast yeah. for uh, some of the. I don't I don't say easier. But we've had easier to middle middle of the range courses where a side by side would almost be faster than a rock bouncer unless it's a pro driver doing pro stuff with a pro car. Like I've seen guys with a side by side come up and do stuff, and I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Like because the power to weight ratio now with the higher end cars is so unbelievable, you know. And now you have like the live valve shock tuning. Like you got, you know, if you have like a live valve and you have a ton of power, like there's not much you can't do with that car, even right out the box, you know? So like, it's, it's impressive to see what, you know, an average driver can do with that insane car. You well, know, and then again, put somebody like Dustin Jones or Paul Wolf in it. Yeah. And they're like, going wow. to decimate. Yeah. Kyle Cheney. Mm. Like those dudes are crazy. I can't wait to see what these guys bring to hammers. Dude, Hammers is going to be nuts. I think it is. It's it is. Crazy. I we were I wrapping up a couple articles, some for the some for magazines and some for tech, and um, some for magazines and some for the online publication. Um, today, I was wrapping up a couple of them, talking to them about stuff, and there were it was we some of the articles are talking about some of the same thing, like what are you going to see, who's going to win, who's going to take it. And we were trying to put some of these publications together, and and so me and some of the guys were talking about. Like, what does that like, what, like off, you know, put the pins away and turn the cameras off. Like, what do you guys think? It's, it's exciting. I'm excited. There's gonna be some crazy stuff. Yeah. Through the whole two weeks, because now we've got best in the desert guys coming. I, yeah. We got the triple crown that Dave yep. talked about, uh, which is going to be, you know, KOH, uh, mint 400, California 300. Yep. 
like now we're bringing in other people, like a lot of other people. Class Eleven stuff. If you guys have watched that at oh, all, oh, I freaking love Class Eleven stuff. Yeah. I love following you know, those guys on Facebook. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys put on a heck of a show. Their first year out. Um. So Baja Jerky is a company who sponsors yeah. the Class Eleven cars. Yeah. The Baja Baja Jerky almost sold out of everything they had on all on everything the before the web before the website crashed the night they did class 11 yeah he's like yeah like we sold out of everything pretty much you know before our service crashed i was like what he's like yeah he's like it was a it was a success he's like we did real well i'll be honest yeah so that was really neat to hear you know that's kind of what you want from a sponsor like hey by the way not only do we sell out of all the product it also caused our stuff to crash before the night was over like that's how much traffic we sent to the website so I, I feel like that that's how you can say it, something is a, a success, you know? Yep. And and Dave and his crew is doing a great job, Dave and Courtney and everybody over there to, yep. to come up with these new ideas. I mean, yes. dude, we all know how Dave is. Best in the Desert announced that they had to cancel their Parker races, and you know immediately he was like, huh, yeah. let me make a phone call. I mean, that yeah. just came out of nowhere. There was no – Free conversation. I mean, I'm sure that he knows the the Martelli brothers, and I know yeah. I'm sure he knows the folks over at at Bitted. But man, like he just it worked. Yeah, um, Dave. People. So a lot of people get Dave gets a bad rap sometimes um, because he's kind of he's kind of portrayed as like this big mean bad guy sometimes because he he can be very authoritative and he can. Uh, kind of demand stuff sometimes and he, he and he can a lot of people think he's like this big bad troll that lives underneath the bridge um he's a mad scientist man that's he, what i he think. people do not give him near enough for credit for all the stuff he has done and is doing and will do like yeah uh and and how much love how much truly passionate love he has for the sport and i've got to see a few glimpses of it i'm sure there's other people who have got to see it way more I've gotten to see a few glimpses of it from time to time. Like usually it's inside of a camper. He'll say something or do something very little, very small. Sometimes it's a grand thing too, but I've seen like some small little things he's done here and there. Like, and it's me and him and it's maybe some one other person. And we're taking notes and talking about some stuff inside of a camper that no one else sees. And I'm like, Holy cow. Like this dude is doing something and it's so compassionate and so awesome for a situation uh, and it just like it just melts my heart. I'm like, dude, this guy truly, truly does have a love for this sport. Like, oh, yeah. unlike unlike other people. Now, I mean, there's times he can get kind of manning, like, no, we got this, and kind of get you know, chop chop. But I I think that like people who understand like everything that happens at King of Hammers all falls oh, onto gosh. one dude's shoulders. Yeah. When you have that kind of weight, like, and you got you know a thousand Matt Holtz there, like, no, I'm so and so, so I can park here. Like, no, sir, you can't yeah. park there. That's someone's garage. You need to park over there. Like, and then you get you know, freaking Chuck Crossland in the middle asking some <laughs> stupid question in the driver's meeting five times in a row. Yeah, Chuck, you know you've done it. Or, uh, yeah, and then Dave or, is a little frustrated. Understandable. Or, or a new driver trying to ask about like which way, which where's oh, Shockland at? Are we like, really gonna pre-run backwards? Like, yeah, yeah like it'll be fine, and it, man. And it's the problem is the first time they ask it, he's kind of irritated. The second time we ask it, he's kind of irritated. The third time they ask the same question for clarification, oh, yeah. and everyone in the room is like, "Oh, you can like hear the audible odds." Yeah. Like, okay, like, sir, I'm, I'm 
sorry just we'll figure it out later sir please yeah. just stop at like you, like, up, you feel man. like I, there's no such thing as a stupid question but there are some times where i would definitely divert and ask someone else later on that's why i love to go to the driver's meetings at koh because it's yes kind of like an entertainment factor it is and sometimes dave will say be like hey buddy uh, you know what come over we'll talk about it sometimes yeah. he's very loving and right. helps understand like because that dude has been i've been that guy like i don't have a clue what i'm doing here somebody like I'm even lost in the driver's meeting. Like, cause he's even my class. Like, can you, you know, I've been the guy that's lost and needs a little help, you know, uh, in certain situations, uh, you know, but it's now that like, you know, once you get to the pro level, it's kind of nice to be like, kind of giggle at the new guy, you know, but uh, Dave, some, sometimes I would say even most of the time is very loving and tries to help people understand. Cause I've heard some very, 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 like I've like seen massive discussions turn out about the course, about which rock we can go around. Like, you know, and Dave's like, it's that rock. And they're like, which rock? No, it's that rock. No, it's no, it's. Oh, my gosh. Rock. Those are the worst. Uh, and I'm like, and by the end, I'm starting to get confused. I'm like, yeah, what, now where? Like, you know, and, and have, again, as a crew guy, like we're not even out there and we're like, we even know what rock it is. And we've never even seen the damn thing. Like, just. Yes. Asking. Yes. And again, bless his heart. Again, I've been the guy that is like unsure about which rock it is, you know, and the worst, the more they explain it, the more confused I got. So. Like, I've been the confused guy before, so I try to always take to remember that with a grain of salt. Like, Matt, you were that scene not that long ago, or you've been that guy before, you know. I and do again, love when he'll say something, and then he won't even lift his head up, and he'll be like, don't open your mouth, Chip. Keep it <laughs> shut, Chip. Like, oh, I love oh, yeah. how he calls out, like, you know, some of the the series running guys, you know, that yeah. have funny reputations. It's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've always been told that if Dave has not freaked out and yelled at you, like you're nobody, like you're yeah. not somebody until he yells at you. He yelled at us last year. We're, we're cool now. And, and we're in yep. like, that was a, a very high achievement for us in the yeah, old. Uh, so I'll, I'll never forget it. I know exactly where I was standing the minute it happened. When he said my name, he was like, Hey Matt, can you? And I was like, <gasps> Yes. <laughs> and yes. it was it was the greatest highlight of one of my off-road careers followed by the scariest moment of terror ever because if he knows your name two things are going to happen one if you mess up he's going to yell at you yep. and b everybody. b when he finds out it was you that messed up it's not going to go well like it, yeah. it like it, it's bad it can go badly like if you it's your fault it's not going to go well because he knows who you are like which is a gift and a curse, you know? And, and usually 99% of the time, he's a big teddy bear. But there's sometimes where he gets like, hey, you know, this has to be done this way. And and again, sometimes people don't understand like, oh, it's just Dave being Dave. He's being silly. The first year I was in a production trailer and we had to call the legal team, the lawyers, to make sure we had this long intro worded exactly correctly. Because Again, a lot of these big sponsors pay big money and they pay big money according to their contracts. So if it doesn't say, like, this is the Optima King of Hammers brought to you by Nitto Tire, presented by, and like, if you don't have that long, weird intro worded exactly correctly when you say it, those teams can essentially, those sponsors come back and be like, hey, you didn't have our intro worded correctly. We want our money back. And yeah. this isn't like $27.35. This is big money. So, like, we had to call legal and get them on the phone before we actually wa walked out the stage and introduced it. And that's when I realized, like, oh, this isn't like a – this is like, come on down, we'll do some racing on Sunday. This is, like – this is a big deal. Yeah. Like, when, you, when you're when you there and you're talking to a lawyer about making sure the intro is worded correctly, that's when I think you understand, like, 
oh, okay, so we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Like this is this is the this is a big deal. This is a pro level. Like this is this is where it's at, you know. Um, and that was kind of eye opening for me too. Like, oh, well, this is like you can't mess up here. Like this is a big deal, you know. So, and to kind of see that is kind of, you know, exciting, you know, when you look at hammers and just what they've done with the place, just how much that has exploded and, you know, how many hours it's kind of cool at the end. Usually they'll, Dave will kind of give like a little wrap up report and talk about like, Hey, by the way, it's uh you know, we had 582 volunteers here this year. We had this many people like he has, he gets all of those stats like daily from people. Like, I don't even know how he gets all these stats, but he gets stats from those people. He knows like how much money they've made. He knows how many people came in the gate. He knows how many racers are there, how many spectators are there, how many staff people they had, how many media people had. And there's times he's walked in like media meetings unannounced, walked in like, hey, everybody, I know all 82 of you are here right now. And I just want to tell you, you're all doing an amazing job. Keep up the great work. You guys are what really make this. Po-. Like he's popped in meetings and said, oh, by the way, we're having a pizza party tonight. It's down here at this camp. Just say your name and they'll get you in. Uh, just make sure you show your ID. Like he's done some really, really neat stuff, like surprised us with neat stuff. And that's, that is kind of special that like running all of King of Hammers and he takes time to make a pizza party for us. Like, yeah. you know, that to me shows a lot of class, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. Like I said, I'm, I'm excited about Hammers now. It's, you know, we have a, <clears throat> in the rock bouncing season, we end usually like the, like roughly the end of October. So then we have like November, December, and January. Uh, and then sometime in February, our season kicks off. So we have about a three-month window roughly off. Uh, but usually there's the PRI show in there. There's the SEMA show in there. Um, and then King of Hammers is usually like the last weekend of January, first weekend of February. So uh, for me especially, our my off season is like, a, like maybe a 60, 65-day window. So right now I'm kind of really enjoying – like not doing anything, especially like Christmas to New Year's. I don't do anything. Oh, yeah. People are like, what? People are like, oh, what are you doing, Matt? What'd you do for holidays? I said, nothing. I don't leave my house. Like, I walked around in a bathrobe, you know? Like, <clears throat> in the I do middle of, of our off season, Hopper was like, we should go on a cruise to the Caribbean. <laughs> Hopper did no. not. Say so that. we did it. Jeez. Terrible idea. <clears throat> also, greatest trip ever. But yeah, it's nice. I, usually try, I try to spend time with family and friends in the off season. Like, uh go see you know family and friends that i don't get to spend a lot of time with um hang out with friends uh i've had a couple buddies where we just party their house all night watch movies play video games and then i pass out on the couch and sometimes i had like sometimes it's me and a cousin we pass out on this dude's couch and we sleep there and we wake up in the morning and we have a good time we go get breakfast you know like and just relax and chill like you have no life for like that week and a half especially especially from christmas to new year's um this year, my brother and his wife and took some kids and went on vacation to Texas. So me and my mom and my sister and her kids went to Florida for literally like a four-day trip. We flew out on Tuesday. We were there Wednesday, Thursday, and came home on Friday. <clears throat> we still did Universal, and we did a pirate show and dinner theater, and we did just a bunch of crazy stuff and just had fun and goofed off. And, and I try to do very little when I'm on my you know kind of winter break, I guess you'd say my off-season. Because uh, that's 65 days. There's still there's usually a couple holidays in there. You know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas, um, and like Christmas to New Year's. I like I said we don't try to do much. Just kind of relax, chill. Because then right after that, hammers kicks in, and oh, like yeah. when I get yeah, then you know I get like right first like by January 3rd, January 5th ish. That's when like the Hammer Town like sweat starts kind of pouring in. Like yeah. okay, this is all the stuff I got to get ready for hammers, and we got to do pre interviews. And again, I don't even have a race team racing this year. Like I'm just there to party. Like and do commentary and do all my stuff. And so, which we do some social stuff and some other stuff, but, and then what's crazy is I go to hammers. I come home, I'm home like a week to two weeks. And then we head out to our race season. So it's always funny 
talking to like say Ricky at RCV, Ricky or Josh or some of the other guys at RCV, like, hey, I don't need my access for hammers. So like, great, I need them a week after. Oh man, you know, because like usually by like no by like the end of October, first week of November, they're done. Like if your order isn't in like by December twelfth, like November twelfth or October, like by October twelfth or October fourteenth, if you don't have your order to them, you're not getting it by hammers. Now there can be some exceptions to that rule. They can sometimes squeak some stuff in. You know, if you know a guy who knows a guy, you know, Josh might help you out. Or if it's something that's quote unquote off the shelf, if it's just a 14 bolt axle, they can probably get it to you pretty quick. You know, stock length, a stock Dana 60. There's some stuff they can probably still get out, even if you're not, you know, technically, you know, called in. Uh, but there's guys that he's like, it's funny because there's guys like Gomez Brothers who are like calling in May. Hey, for hammers, we need this. And they give them like a <laughs> shopping list. Good you know? for like, them. Yeah. I want to be with those guys. I love yeah. that. Yeah, they're like I tell people. People ask me like, "Oh, what's the Gomez brother like?" Because we'll talk. Gomez will come up. Like, what's the Gomez? I mean, well, um, they're Mexican and they're probably the biggest rednecks I know. Of like, they are awesome, man. We've talked about all these other people. Yeah, you got to talk about. Yeah, nicest, funniest dudes ever. Coast to coast, probably the biggest rednecks I know. Like, like those dudes will party hard. They do not, and I've talked to like I know Mario, and I know uh, there's a handful of guys I know in their camp <clears throat> um, that deal with them on somewhat of a regular basis, uh, and again, some other guys that deal with them and their race team on a regular basis. And I've discussed several times with them, like, how do you guys do your social media? How do you guys do your sponsorship? How do you do your marketing? And time after time, it's been we don't have one. We don't really care. Yeah. The only reason we the only reason we have stickers in the car is because well they they make some different colors. We do each car with like their own sponsor. That way it's different colors, uh, and that way we can tell the cars apart when they're like pulling the pits at like high speed. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, you guys don't really do social media, only do marketing. Nah, that's a lot of work. And like, and I've heard some deal like chit chatting in boardrooms, like chit chatting in back doors. I've heard some deals they were offered, like insane banana like level offers that they had and they're like no nah, we don't we'll just rather buy your stuff it's cool or we'll, we'll we don't need that sponsor we just we're good we're you know we like being we like to race them for us and we don't have to we don't want to have to show up to do meetings and we don't have really time for that and that's just not really our cup of tea we only care if we beat our brothers and that's cool and i'm like <laughs> it's so true yeah. And uh, and what's funny is when the more you get to know them and the more time you spend them, you realize that is a thousand percent true. If they can crash their brother and beat their brother and come in dead last and still beat all their brothers, they are the gucciest, happiest, crazy. Their their pit will party like rock stars if they beat all their brothers. Yeah. Like they have a pool going. They all throw a bunch of money in the pool. It's like 10, 15, 25 grand. And whoever wins of all the brothers gets the money. Like that's how hardcore they take beating their brothers. Like that's all that matters to them. Dead last, but they beat other brothers. Cool. Win first place, but when come in second or third <clears throat> and beat a couple and get beat by a couple of brothers, not cool. Not cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I've seen them guys just go and, and again, nicest guys would give you sure off their back, you know, like super, super great guys, you know, <clears throat> help bring a ton of their team members down with them. Um, yeah. And, we, I mean, we've pitted next to them before and yeah, just always super cool on the pits amazing dudes amazing dudes to have like super nice guys uh again come on camel invite you over you want to stay yeah. you want to be here like you want to whatever want to drive the car around the block like sure like yeah like, <laughs> well yeah. we do need to try that yeah uh, like 
Dude, Super nice I, guys. Just, I just looked at my phone. I think that we've been on here for like two hours. Oh, like, yeah. You called me and you were like, I've got, here's what we should talk about. Like, let's <laughs> talk about this. And then we were like, or we could just go off the rails. Like, here we are. We just did. Off the, the rails. The funny thing is, uh, teaching RCC classes, uh, my Richland Community College is a class I teach at. Um, that was my last intro, and I'm that was the last part of my intro, which I mentioned two minutes ago. So now we can like officially start the podcast. Oh man! <laughs> uh, any is there any questions, comments, and concerns you guys have for me, or tips or tricks that I should know? I mean, you just told us that you could get us a ride in a Gomez car, so yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, <laughs> I could probably. Maybe make that happen. Dude, we we haven't had an episode for like a month because yeah. we've just been crazy busy and doing the same thing everybody else is with KOH prep and vacation. Yeah. Prep, KOH prep is killing everybody's free time. And uh it, it is. Dude, this is gonna be a great episode back because we've got to make a few episodes here before hammers that guys can listen to on those 18 to 34 hour drives. Yep. And now yeah. we're gonna get to hammers and be like. Oh my gosh! I just spent two hours listening to those idiots talk to Matt. Both. Yeah, you know yeah. it's it's a good time. And I like and again, I said I was I texted you today. I was at the shop listening to Courtney's episode. I had a big plate. A buddy of mine's a machine shop. He helps make parts for my rock bouncer. So when he needs help for something, or sometimes he has customers come in like tubing bending and stuff, they'll just send them to me, and I can work it out with them. Uh, he called and needs some help, and I have to drill four drill and drill chafer and tap four hundred and eighty three inch. You know, oh. coarse, coarse thread holes in a big oh. plate. And so today, yeah, I sent him a picture and I was like, yeah, it's like there's like a three or four inch diameter hole and there's a fitting that goes on a fixture that goes on there and it's for a big cooling tower. And I have to drill and tap 480 holes, three eighths coarse thread. And so, uh, yeah. And when you're doing that, uh, you have a lot of free time for, <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I'm about halfway done and it's taken me three days. So uh, I have three more days to go ish with that project. So well, when I, when I messaged you and this is probably one of the best responses I've ever got, <laughs> we, we did kind of discuss this earlier. Like I literally just message people that are on my short list and I'm like, Hey, we're going to do this this evening. Can you come on tonight? I do this to a lot of people. Uh, many of our guests can attest to this. And when I messaged you this morning, you were like, is this spam? <laughs> it's so funny because I literally hit play. I had been listening to the podcast for two minutes and all of a sudden I get, hey, would you like to come on our podcast? And I'm like, dude, this has to be some kind of like <laughs> bot. This has to be some kind of bot type thing. And Which I thought on the incredible too. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? On the off chance, it's not a bot. I'm going to send like, is this spam question mark? I don't because a lot of times if it's a bot, I'll send them like a really funny message. Oh, yeah. I know it's I know that's not in their matrix. Like, you know, like. Yeah, mom, bring the cheese toasty tonight. Like, uh, you know, like, like I'll send some weird thing that like the bot won't know how to answer just to mess with the bot, you know? And I was like, on the off chance it's not a bot, like, uh, is this spam? And you're like, no, this is a spam. We'd love to have you on the podcast. And I'm like, yes, sir. That's Thank awesome. you. I appreciate this. And then, then I was like, you're like, yeah, no. So then I was like, okay, cool. This is not, not a bot. Okay, cool. But I literally had just clicked pay play not two minutes before that. Is, that. that is That's pretty great. funny. I love it. So we, uh, what it, we always oh, yeah. wait until the last minute to figure this out, man. And like I said, I operate like kind of on a, I have a short list and a long list. And uh, with KOH prep, man, you just don't know who's doing what, when. And it's it's been, well, we've been busy. Yes. So, man, when I texted you and you hit me right back, I was like, oh, 
Yes, this is going to be a good <laughs> episode back after a month off. It's going to be a little different because you're not like you're all like I said, you're all over the place, man. You're not just yeah. a race car driver. Um, yeah, man, I was super pumped that we were able to get you on tonight. Everybody's yeah, going to look at this episode and be like, holy cow, this is like a three hour episode because yeah. our open segment is like off the hook tonight. Yes. Yeah, I, I again, like I said, I, I try to jot down the notes and have like somewhat of a format and being ADHD, you can you can. And again, I love to get out and start talking shop with car stuff and racing stuff and off road stuff. And I I can quickly, you know, go off the rails and talk about, you know, we could be in. Well, yeah, we literally four hours later, we're like, man, I got this new mixer and it's great. It's a KitchenAid. It's got like, you know, like, <laughs> it's got three speeds. It's amazing. Oh, you know, like. Yeah. So, and then you're like, oh yeah, how's that tie into, how's that tie into what we're talking about? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah. how's that tie to tires? I have tire compound. I have nothing. So, uh, I try to at least jot down some notes and do an intro and then kind of cover basis as far as like what oh, I, I do. It, man. And, and I again, this like, is, this is why people listen to our podcast, man. And I, and I, I try to give, you know, I get to do a little behind the scenes with a lot of the production stuff. So that's really, really neat to get to see behind the scenes of, uh, this year at King of Hammers hit me up, message me, um, and I'll take you guys into the production trailer and kind of give you a little Ooh, bird's eye view. Cool. Yes. I promise you, I like obviously 4,400 is kind of the biggest class. That's the biggest deal in my opinion. Take it for what it's worth. Yeah. So being in the production trailer, hopping back in the back and looking at all the production stuff in like its highest peak moment of glory on the 4,400 day, is probably one of the coolest things you ever get to see. I would compare it to being like, I mean, imagine if you've ever seen any movies, there's been like a handful of movies over the years where like one of the main characters works in like a production room for like an NBA game or an NFL game or something. So um, there's a movie with uh, Josh Dumal and Catherine Heigl a few years ago. It's where they have like a friend of theirs dies, leaving their baby and they have to kind of figure it all out. Oh, yeah. And he's, yeah, like, yeah. And, and he's like a sports guy and it shows him like he's commanding all these people and they're all running different switchers and controlling graphics. And there's like hundreds of screens in front of them. And that's what it's like at King of Hammers. Uh, obviously, Rock Racing TV is a much smaller version of that. Um, uh, but it still takes, you know, an army to run it sometimes. And so to see that at King of Hammers is really neat because it's, it's you know, and a thing that's different about King of Hammers is there's literally hundreds of photographers, uh, I mean, videographers out trying to get video and pictures and drones and helicopters. and Like how all that happens is just crazy science, you know, and it's super neat to see the fact we have literally hundreds of different feeds from spread out over miles and miles and miles of train. It's, it's super amazing to see. And, and to be in there and the coolest part, in my opinion, the best seat in the entire freaking house during King hammers is to be in the production trailer because in the bottom corner ish, there's like two or three TVs and though all those two TVs have like a three inch TV and there's a guy watching all those little TVs and he's trying to take the small TV with the best action and throw it to the big screens. And to me, the guy that gets to see like all 36 little TV screens, you get to watch all the action. Like at home, you can only at the most, you could have like a big picture with a small picture. I know they, you know, picture in picture is probably the best you can do it as a home viewer. But if you're a sneak in the back of the production trailer during like race day, you can literally watch the bottom two screens and they show like, you know, you're watching like a hundred different feeds at one time. You're literally watching a hundred, you know, there's usually two cars side by side battling and you're watching a hundred of those battles happen yeah, simultaneously. Dude. It, I, it is so, so amazing to see. It's, oh, it's so amazing. See, I picture the production trailer, like as part of the, a scene from the hunt for red October, like it's all it, red in there and it's all like, Ooh, intense. And it's just, um, 
it can be it can be at times uh especially during like peak production moments it can be um like when all the cars are racing the first i don't know eight to ten hours i would say it is like that towards the end especially on saturday night towards the end it gets a little more laid back because less and less cars the car counts keeps dwindling down down and at like the very end we only get like five cars on track and they're all like dragging a wheel or an axle behind them (laughs) trying to just limp it on in you know and the and usually by that time most of the production crew is like frazzled because they've been there for two weeks like because they have to get there like two weeks ahead of time some of them not all of them some of the production crews are like two three weeks in advance setting up running wires pulling stuff setting satellites up and point to points and like all these different types of devices to help get signals places and they're running wires and they're you know chugging monitors and getting out you know know, memory cards for drones and i mean they're doing all this stuff to get all the production stuff ready so a lot of those guys have been there for a while and they're done mentally, emotionally, physically. They are checked out. They're done. They're ready to go have some beverages outside yeah. because there's, there's two big semi-trailers parked a long way. So in between, it's kind of like a little gauntlet where there's beverages and snacks and stuff and sure. lots of I stacks. Go there. Of I want to go to that place. With the free, uh, there's, the yeah. It's like there's stacks of like cables everywhere and there's usually guys like frazzled with like, you know, trying to connect stuff and make it work and, and it's kind of a cool, neat, crazy area. Dave's usually sprinting back and forth because it's right next to race ops. Um, you know, because sometimes he'll run from race ops over and be like, hey, did this guy cross the finish line? Did he did he hit this checkpoint? Did he hit this car? You know, like, and if there's an, like a red card issue, then they have to go back and view footage. So now they have to go to a drone pilot that was out in the middle of nowhere. And this one drone pilot happened to catch that pass. And did he clip him? Did he not clip him? You know, did was it an accident? Was it not an accident? Let both racers watch it. Sometimes the racer may feel wrong, then he watched the footage and he's like, wow, that guy wasn't even close to me when that tire blew and I rolled over. Like we were 10 feet apart. There's no way that guy clipped me, but it felt like he clipped me because I saw him in the corner of my race path, you know? So a lot of times you can, you know, maybe clear up a miscommunication or, you know, you know, sometimes there's not a miscommunication. One guy just ran over another guy's car, you know, like, yeah. you know, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait to get the hammers, man. Just well, and, all the, of it. and there's like the best part is watching all that unfold live. Like it's super yeah. cool to see. And again, usually I can hang out a little while for they'll kick me out. Sometimes like, hey Matt, we got like, yeah, you're getting a little loud back here. We need to like, you, you know. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, I'm geez, I'm I'm a race fan. I'm like at at heart, I'm a you know a, a car enthusiast. I'm an off road enthusiast. I'm a race enthusiast at heart. So even if I'm not in the car and I'm not in the you know the broadcast booth, I'm in the back. Like, this is awesome. That's the greatest thing. Yes. going nuts. Yes. And they're like, yeah, hey, we have to. And they all have headsets and they're all like trying to do jobs. And I'm like. All right, you know, because because at the peak day, it's like me. I'm in the back of the room. Miles, if he's not in the booth, we'll be back there with a the headset on, either helping, you know, catch cars. Because sometimes he knows, like, he can see an overall view of a dusty car from 100 yards out from a crappy photo from like a flip phone camera, and be like, "Hey, that's uh, uh, that's Josh Blyler. Uh, that's uh, that's Shannon Campbell. Uh, that's Wayland Campbell. Uh, like, he knows the cars. Like, like it's bananas what that guy can do. Yeah, um, he knows their dust signatures." He does. It's creepy. Like he can see a shadow of a car at 3 a.m. Like, yeah, hey, that's 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 not Josh Byler. That's Rusty. That's his dad. Like, I'm like, how do you how, like how do you even know that? So like he'll be in the back kind of calling cars out and trying to help give feed. And then, you know, and obviously they have like leaderboards. Well, sometimes they'll have guys on like, you know, oh, that guy's leading the race. Like, no, he's a lap down. Like, and so Miles helps kind of correct that, you know, obviously with race ops and some tractor stuff, they can all usually fix that. But um, and then we'll try to get like tickers going on the bottom and there's, you know, four or five different people working graphics and like, it's really, really neat to see all that come together. So sometimes it is kind of like that hunt for red October scene. Uh, it is very dark in there because you have all, everybody has, you know, there's sometimes there's people with like two to three laptops in front of them. 
uh, during COVID was really great because we had uh, one producer here. We had another producer in Canada. They were all running the same radio channels, which works through the net. It, um, the radio system they use works through the internet. Yeah. So it's not like a walkie talkie. Um, there's a couple different kinds of systems, but there's works through the internet. So we had two guys in Canada that were also part of race ops, helping run the production uh, during COVID, which was bananas to think that we have guys in different countries helping run race ops and do stuff to our, uh, helping run broadcasting and helping run the production crew. That was really cool. Um, there's a guy named Dan who lives in Canada. And I was like, Hey, and at the end of the night, I was like, Hey, what's up, Dan? I heard you. I was like, I didn't see the trailer. He's like, yeah, that's cause I'm in Canada. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's kind of crazy. He's like, COVID. And he's like COVID. Like everything just got blamed on COVID that year. Like no matter what <laughs> went wrong, like camera went down COVID, yeah. COVID, you know, yeah. like, Hey, a racer hit another guy, like ran over somebody like, yeah, it's COVID. COVID. You know, yeah. Whatever. So it was kind of funny, but it was kind of crazy to see just how insane the operation is. And, and it's kind of cool to see the monitors and, you know, how video comes in. And just it's 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 so insane to see how and there, there's so many people that are so good at their jobs to see this like ant farm just work. And everybody does all their jobs seemingly. And you'll see a lot of guys who can do their job and the guy next to them. They might be able to do the guy, you know, guy on the right a little bit and the guy on the left a little bit. So if somebody needs to go to the bathroom or somebody gets sick or whatever, they can kind of jump in and help do this guy's job and kind of, you know, fill in why he needs a bathroom break or whatever. So it's super crazy to see that. And again, I mean, they have nobody some, sees this. Like nobody yeah. knows. No. This. Even we're um, there and we don't know yeah. that. Like the guy that's a producer, director, you know, whatever you'd call him, uh, producer. I think he's, you know, Super cool. I've got to talk to him. He's done like I was one day. I was like, so like, what other stuff have you done? He's like, well, I did like Naked and Afraid, like The Bachelor, and he starts listing like this laundry list of things he's like helped do produce. And I'm like, wow, like okay. I'm like, so it's how? Where does King of Hammers rank in there? And he's like, it's awesome. It's pretty cool. I'm like, all right, but oh man, I hope it on, man. I mean, I don't even know how to close this (laughs) or wrap this, like. um, I should probably I was, just let you wrap up the episode, man. I, cow. I always sign off my stuff with whatever you do, do it 100%. Whether you're a videographer, a picture guy, whether you're a tire changer, whether you're ordering pizza, you know, whatever you do in your facet of off-road realm or even life, whatever you do, do it 100%. You know, keep it, keep it real, go full tilt, you know, pedal down, full throttle, hammer down, whatever, whatever phrase you like to put in there, you know, whatever you do, do it 100%. And, uh, again, anybody on the podcast or anybody listening, you know, if you see me hammers, come up and say hi, shake my hand, goof off. We'll get some snacks together. You uh, always have, like I said before, you always are a sharp looking dude. Your hair's always, I, I, I try to be, cut. I try to be, uh, I try to, you know, you know, shave, keep my, keep my Mohawk. Me and Ian always discuss hair products. Yes. Uh, we use the Mohawk of, guys. Yeah, well, we, you can see it's horribly out of shape. Yeah. I, I try to keep mine. A lot of people like always laugh. They're like, like at, at this point, it's like, I don't even need gel anymore. Cause I keep it. Yeah. I usually keep it up so much that it gets, you know, pretty soft. Like I don't even need a lot of product, but I'd like bed. Usually we use product. Um, me and Ian found out last year that we use the same exact product. It's oh. called Spiker. <laughs> so oh, that's a terrible way to end the show right there. It, it is. It's called Spiker. It comes in a little blue bottle. It's pretty great oh. stuff, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's cool. Like I said, I come up, say hi, get some snacky snacks. We'll usually, you can bring some up or we'll hand some out either way. Um, come say hi, goof off. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're just a goober fan like me or you're a rock star race car driver. I like hanging out and going to the pits. And uh, definitely we'll have to go party some night with you guys uh, when we get there. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll uh, either either around the campfire or we'll fire up the podcast some night there and do the festivities. It's yeah, always we, a great time. 
We haven't talked about if we're going to do something there yet or not, but we probably should be. It seems like a good idea. Yeah. We're also going to be really freaking busy, though. It, it is. I would I can't, pick, I can't pick one night. And again, I know that Hammers has a lot of crazy activities going on as well. So, and maybe, I mean, be, you know, just doing some videos and some interviews down at like some of the activities. I know like the tire changing stuff and the class 11, there's a lot of cool, cool stuff they have going yeah. on. Um, and again, the cool thing is a lot of it, they drop like the week of like, Hey, by the way, racers, we're also doing this special. I know they, Dave has waited to like literally the week of to drop stuff to racers at the racer driver meeting. Like, Hey everybody, welcome. By the way, we're going to do this special thing. Nobody knows about it. it's for only for you guys, you know, like. Uh, Dave, Dave kind of keeps some stuff, you know, and drops oh, some yeah. cool stuff like. And some of you know, it he the, really didn't think of until the last minute. And it he worked didn't. Out. And it turns out super cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you see me hammers, say hi, shake my hand. Uh, there's a good chance I won't remember you that week or the following week or the previous <laughs> week. Because uh, I have literally so many people I say hi to. Some I do remember. Again, like if, after you meet them year after year after year at the same shows, a lot of times it's like, hey, I do remember you. Yeah. You. And it, I'm the, I am the world's worst at names. So I'll be like. Yeah, I don't remember you, but you had the red Toyota. It was on 35s. It was like a KMC beadlock, but the beadlocks were the same color of the vehicle, yeah. like 14-inch coilovers. Like, you oh, had the yeah, the 22RE, 22RE twin stick. Yeah, I remember you. What was your name? Ah, sorry. I don't I don't remember. Like, like yeah, I had the big light bar. Like, yeah, I totally remember the truck. Can't remember the guy's name to save my life, you know? Like, oh, what, kind of, what kind of snacks he fed me, what the truck color was, yeah. what stickers <laughs> were on it. You know, I can remember everything about the vehicle. Name? Oh, sorry. Greg, Tom, Billy, I don't know. Like, I got nothing. So, uh, yeah, oh. if you come see me, come hang out. I love to hang out with you guys. We're going to um, hit you up, man. We're going to hang out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely have to party around sometime. Uh, go hang out in the camp or do whatever. Again, oh, I, I like you, how many guys are you pitting for this year? Uh, so, at right now, this is uh, first week of January. I think we got five UTVs. Okay. And uh, we are going to help some 4,400 guys. I think get least, her done at least three. We do not. I think we might be taking the EMC day off. Yes. We have no EMC cars right now, which is okay with us. We like to watch that race. That's the funnest race to watch. I think Yeah, it um, is, but we'll see. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like eight or nine cars, but you know, Hopper and I love to be at remote pit too. We'll be That's out there. Spot. We'll be out there till dark every night. Always the last guys to leave. It seems like yeah. and, uh, that's brutal. Like we'll that's have the... our Starlink this year, though, so we can oh, watch there you go. Netflix. Yeah, while we're out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, uh, what are you doing? I'm on the lake bed watching some uh, watching some uh, Netflix. All right, cool, yeah. cool, cool, cool. So yeah, we got a few weeks left. We got a lot of work to do ourselves uh, with a couple guys. Uh, we got to just, we got work to do like our real life jobs. Yeah. yeah we don't want to talk about that. They're overrated. Are, yeah. We are pumped to get out there. Um, like I said, man, thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, yeah. I had yeah. a blast. Thank this you. was fun. Yeah. We, uh, we apologize that we haven't been around the last few weeks. Sorry to all of our devoted fans. <laughs> We've got some good episodes coming up the next few weeks. Yep. We hope. We hope. Crossing my fingers. Um, but yeah, yeah, we only got like three weeks left. If you are still listening to this episode of this podcast, <laughs> thank you. They're, de 
They are the devoted listeners. They are Between the OGs. our open segment and you coming on and talking about a whole new world. Ooh, that's that's it. That's what I'm going to name an episode, A Whole New World. <laughs> Jeez. All right, yeah. guys. Well, thanks for listening. I got I to gotta go to the bathroom. Same man. here. We have pounded like so <laughs> many drinks already. I, I just had a liter of cola. <laughs> I just drank a liter of cola. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, like I said, thanks for coming on. Uh, everybody tune in next week. We're going to have another great episode next week. We hope your hammers prep is going good. Um, yeah, and we'll uh, we'll hit you all up next time. All right, we'll see you guys. You've been listening to The Pit Guys. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. We'll see you at the races.